Indian and cowboy, indigenous, independent, and listener-supported, rooted firmly at the intersection between digital media, podcasting, and indigenous storytelling. And welcome to Otopemsu's Foywak Kids Against a Cup, Metis in Space. Space, 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 space. Molly Swain is Tigasan. Chelsea Bond is Tigasan. And Daisy Swain. Motus Konik Nitozen. Motus Akairik Nitozen. Thank you so much. Introduce our guest first. Yeah, so we have a very special guest today. Uh, my younger sister Daisy Swain has joined nepotism. Us. Woo! <laughs> it's all nepotism. All I, it, it literally is because it's all our friends and yeah. all our buds and, and people, people that we want to be friends, aspirational friends. Yeah, yes. nepotism is not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's tra- it's tradition. It is super yeah. tradition. How about your family? That's what we do. Days. So happy to have you on the podcast mm-hmm. today. I'm really excited to be here. I'm a little nervous. My palms are sweaty. But um, are your knees weak? Mom's mom spaghetti for sure. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, just happy to be here. And um, uh, yeah, here we go. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Ladies. Clink, 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 clink. Mm-hmm. So this also means that now all of my siblings have been on the pod. True, true. All two. Yeah. yeah. All two of us. Yeah, there's not a lot, but uh, <laughs> quality over quantity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I don't think we have, I have, like, a ton to discuss. I feel like usually we have these 15-minute intros, but we don't really have a lot to talk about. Well, we should talk about the wine. Oh, well, of course, yeah. yeah. As yes. a true fan of Métis in Space, I know that we need to discuss the wine. Would you like to, to discuss the wine? <laughs> there you go. This is going to be a cold reading of this bottle. That's fine. Uh, we're drinking Purple Cowboy. It is a 2013 tenacious red mm. i love it also 2013 i feel like that's definitely on the older side of things for us usually it's, it's true. you know the year we're in or the year before yeah. so i feel like this is quite mm. fancy mm. great great year 2013 okay ready for the the best yes. do we call this a wine bio or sure a, yeah or okay. a wine synopsis a wine know. synopsis wine a tale? wine a, a wine fairy tale because sometimes some it's a wine really, epic yes wine ballad a mm. wine tragedy um Ode. This bottle of wine has a government warning on the back. I'm not going to read that, but is that normal? <laughs> I think so. Probably. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, some people have allergies to sulfate. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, um, <clears throat> Purple Cowboy. Once upon a time in wine country, there was a group of young winemakers. They worked hard all week and tasted so much wine that their teeth turned purple. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a wine fairy tale. This on weekends, weird. these same men loved to rodeo. Just men? Really? Just men. They became known as the Band of Purple Cowboys. So the legend goes. The Purple Cowboys supports Tough Enough to Wear Pink, the fight against breast cancer. Oh, my God. oh okay. Um, interesting. Tough enough to do wear we, Do we get any tasting notes? Sometimes they give us, you know, like it's oaky, it's got a hint of pepper or shoe leather or whatever. It won't t- turn your teeth purple. Um, this tasting note is 13.5% alcohol. Cheers. <laughs> hey, cheers. Thanks, Clay. That's an excellent tasting note. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, that's it's basically not, all the tasting notes I'm getting out of it. Yeah, it's, it's not terrible. It's a pretty average. 
It's a wine that exists and will get me drunk. As someone that only left post-secondary one calendar year ago, this is probably the best red wine I've had in. <laughs> oh, my God. You should have been here so for the breakup wine. Oh, my God. Wow. That was amazing. Yeah, we've had some good ones. This one, it's, yeah. It's okay. It's functional. It's doable. Probably too expensive. I'm sure we spent too much on it. Oh, yeah. A deaf wine would be equally as delicious. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it would. It finds its home in a deaf. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or out on the range. On the range. Yeah. All right, what did we watch today? So, okay, so for most of our COVID uh, quarantine making spacing, uh, we've been focusing on, like, our favorite movies, movies that we just, like, want to watch together. We've been really, you know, moving away from um, our, our sort of, like, self-imposed parameters of it's got to be... That's not really true. We've only done... We've done three. Three. Yeah, out of, like... During quarantine. Yeah. Okay, fair. Yeah. I mean, it's not that many out of a season because we do No, it's ten. true. It's, it's true. like, it's, you know. Yeah. But I just, you know, I want to I want to indicate that we're, we're sort of uh, taking another turn. Okay. If okay. you will. <laughs> sure. Uh, so this turn, we're, we're actually moving back into the speculative fiction that has something to do with Indigenous people um, genre uh, because Daisy really wanted to watch Blood Quantum with us. And we thought to ourselves, oh my God, it's, it's a recent film, number one. We don't do a ton of those. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's written, directed, like, everything. Musically scored by. Yeah, by uh, an Indigenous person starring mostly Indigenous people. Yeah. Like, yeah. hell yeah, let's do it. Can I also just say that I've been wanting to do Métis Space for so long, but I've never found, because I'm not a big sci-fi fan. Oh. Sorry to everyone listening. But, so I was trying to convince Molly for a super long period of time that doing Blue Crush would be okay. Because there are Indigenous people in Blue Crush. For and like two seconds. For literally 11 seconds of the entire film. And Molly was like, we're not gonna. <laughs> so then when Blood Quantum came out, I saw it at Calgary Film Fest. I was like, this, this is, is the moment. This is my time. Yeah. And it Anyways. is. So here we go. Here we go. We're diving in. Here we go. Here we go. Um, through go. the spraying blood What's and the wiggling entrails. <laughs> As so, and so many intestines. Yeah, as as all <laughs> Jeff Barnaby movies are, uh, this is squishy and gory and deeply unsettling. Actually, to be honest, this is less unsettling, less like psychically damaging than uh, Rhymes for Young Ghouls or or his super body horror shorts that we watched. Oh my gosh, yeah. I feel like yeah. This anyway. Okay, yeah. so wait, we'll, we'll talk about. Okay. So, Blood Quantum. The dead are coming back to life outside the isolated Mi'kmaq Reserve of Red Crow, except for its indigenous inhabitants who are strangely immune to the zombie plague. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So, uh, Barnaby talks a lot in his interviews about how he had, at the beginning, um, when this film was being screened, he had to, he had to constantly explain what Blood Quantum is. And then he, he said he stopped doing that because he was like, fucking white people invented this term. They applied it through legislation on indigenous peoples. And now they forget what it is. And they need like somebody to hold their hands and explain it to them. But let's actually just go ahead and talk about blood quantum. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean, you know, I think to a certain extent too, like, you know, non-natives may not be familiar with the term, but they definitely know what it is. Mm-hmm. You can talk to any... Like friggin' settler on the planet, they apply it all the time. Yeah, they how much native are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's blood, blood quantum. quantum. How much? Yeah, how much native are you? Which of your parents is native? Um, what percentage are you? Um, you know, oh, but are you a real native? Like, you yeah. know, like this and that, and yeah, blood quantum. Like it's you know, and we know that it's bullshit. 
But it's really bizarre because it's this idea of, of like racial purity um, through through like, you know, what percentage of blood you have. So what I don't get about blood quantum is, you know, um, if you have like a black foot and a Dene have a kid, you know, you're not like, wow, black. Dene. Yeah. Yeah. You're not like, wow, black foot blood and Dene blood are so different. And therefore you're like half Dene and you're half black foot. And, you know, like. No, it's like this magical European blood gets into the mix and all of a sudden you're like, wow, now we can start counting it. What? What? Your blood isn't fucking magical. Like your blood is just blood. It's just blood. It's just blood. There's lots of blood in this movie. Does anybody sit down and like cup it up and be like, how much (laughs) European are you? Yeah. If I was going to rate the blood quantum of this film, and by quantum, I mean quantity. Quantity. Like one thousand percent. Yeah. 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 Swimming pool. Yeah. It's a a thousand percent blood quantum in this movie. But yeah, no, I think, you know, Chelsea, you're totally right. Like blood quantum is ultimately, you know, it's a a form and function of white supremacy. One, you know, and it, and it like, not only does it, you know, serve to dispossess indigenous people from, you know, our claims to the land, you know, according to the white mindset, but, you know, on the other hand, it's also a way to control and continue to contain black bodies. Oh, yeah. Right. And the ways in which, like, Indigenous blood quantum and the one drop rule are sort of these, you know, inverse systems that get applied to, you know, our populations uh, means that, you know, like, it's it's something that, like, we have to wholeheartedly reject, you know, not just for ourselves and our relations who get fucked over by it. Um, but also for, like, our non-Native and Black relations. Mm-hmm. You know, it hurts everybody to, to yeah. lean into any sort of blood quantum logic. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, okay, so my my sort of, like, big sort of critique of this film, before you even get into it, is that idea. Like, so you're invoking blood quantum here. Um, so are you are you mocking it? Like, are you like, haha, blood quantum? But, like, okay, so we have zombies, and we have the Native people who are immune, so the idea is that they're immune because of their, like, genetic code or something, or whatever, right? But, like, at what point do you do you become, like, not Native enough to, like, get infected? And that's sort of the question throughout the movie, too. They're not really sure about that. Yeah. But it's super sketchy, like, it's, it's a super sketchy idea, like, just generally. I, I kind of like the uncomfortableness of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I like that there's no... You know, he, nobody in the movie lays it out. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Barnaby, you know, is, is giving us any answers here on this. And I, I kind of like that. I like the messiness. I really, I think especially considering the ways that we see clean narratives in what we've been reviewing um, reflect racist tropes, mm-hmm. right? Like they're, they're able to be clean because they're taking up, you know, these, these racist narratives and these racist depictions that everybody's really familiar with. And I think, you know, part of what I liked about this movie is that it keeps it messy. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, as I've... Gushy, gross. Yeah, yeah. Like and as I've, as I've, like, done this over the years <laughs> and just, like, thinking in general about the ways in which, like, both non-Native people talk about Indigenous, you know, belonging and indigeneity, but also the ways that we often talk about it ourselves. Mm-hmm. We yeah. try to really delineate, you know, this really clean idea of, you know, identity, blood quantum, belonging, family, kinship... I really like the messiness. I've really come to appreciate that. Well, the messiness is real because, like, that... So, you know, we do we do sort of critique one another for using blood quantum ourselves, right? Because mm-hmm. it definitely is something that has become sort of, um, like, integrated into our, our membership systems and who we decide or can. But, like, um, if, we, if we reject it completely, then we're also saying that, you know, being related to people 
you know, biologically doesn't matter, but it does. It, it totally really does. matters. It's become right? part of an introduction, mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you say you say you're related to, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean blood. Yeah, you know, in the way that we use it, but it it can, it can. Yeah. and you know, but it it doesn't even mean that it should. Yeah, yeah, and and also like I I do think so. Some people have like crit- critique blood quantum, the ideas of blood quantum, and saying, well, it is useful in a certain way. But I mean, I think what we're really talking about here is what's useful is talking about who our relations are, even if we're estranged from them. Right. And be like, okay, we're related to these people and therefore we have a claim on on them as they have a claim on us, whether or not like they take up that claim. Maybe they hate us for all sorts of reasons, or maybe we hate them for all sorts of reasons. But it's still it's still there. We still have some sort of like connection, mm-hmm. um, kinship connection. Yeah. But and I do find that interesting, you know, just like how would you translate something like that onto you know, into, you know, an hour and a half or two hour long movie mm-hmm. uh, without falling into sort of the mystic Indian tropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I, like, just trying to think through that. I wonder, to a certain extent, if this movie is using this concept of blood quantum, you know, both, I think, like, sort of as, like, a dark humor thing, yeah, but then also yeah. sort of, you know, to, to get us to think through, you know, what our own kinship systems are and what really matters when mm-hmm. we talk about who we're related to. And right. how how do we explain that or should, you know, even should we be explaining that, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot of explaining that happens in this movie. No, no. Um, and, and, and that idea of kinship, like the, the concept of family gets brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. So let's just like dive into what's yeah. happening. Let's what's dive happening. on in. Right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we open with uh, a passage from the Bible that's super freaky and goth. I don't even remember exactly what it was. I didn't write it down, but it's basically just like your sons will bathe in the blood and your daughters will marry the sons who will do the same thing. It was a quote, ancient settler proverb. Yeah, I love. like that. I like yeah. that. So it's it's from Exodus. I had to look it up because I don't know Bible stuff very much. Um, but I like the way that he sort of, he turns the lens outward, right? Mm-hmm. So he switches sort of like, um, sort of the anthropological view of the other and then, you know, it takes the positionality of the yeah. other looking upward. So, like, we're, we're looking at, like, you know, Christian texts or, or Abrahamic texts as, as the other. And mm-hmm. I fucking love that shit. Yeah. I, I, also, also, I was just going to say, uh, black background, red text. We know it's a zombie. We know. Yeah. 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 We had to actually pause the film so that we could read. It was super hard see. to see. Yeah. 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 Um, I also I also really liked it because I think it's an you know as it's an inversion of the gaze. I think it's also an inversion of that horror trope because you see that a lot in horror, right? You see these like ancient native proverbs or these like native words of wisdom, and then there's like one or two indigenous people in whatever you're seeing or yeah. watching, right? It's like oh, you can take you know the words. Usually they're like either fake or made up or misattributed. <laughs> um, you know, you can take the words of another culture or cultures, uh, but then just make it about white people. But look at how applicable and deep it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two you know? story. Yeah, blah, totally. Blah, blah, blah. And instead we're taking, you know, Genesis, which is, you know, part of the Old Testament, um, which, of course, is, like, definitely the most metal of the Testaments, if you're thinking about the Christian Bible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I really like that um, because it, it really does set a tone because it's scary. It's a scary it is, quote. It is a scary quote. And that's the thing. It's like the, the, the Old Testament is scary as F. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like there's there's no gentility. It's it's like you know it's the it's the wrath god. You know, like he just like punishes and hates and like man, man, yeah. man, and is jealous versus New Testament God who's kind of like la la la, love and peace, brothers. You know, yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna sacrifice my son. who's gonna be tortured to death. It's all good. 
Yeah, we so, love that guy. So this is set. Okay, uh, so this is a very interesting choice, and I, I've, I've written about this, so I'm sort of like repeating things that I've written, but if you haven't read it, then it's not a repetition, it's all new. Yeah. Um, so this is set in, in Red Crow. It's a fictional reserve. It's, actu- it's actually Listagouche and Mi'kma'ki, but it's set in 1981. And so, you know, I thought this was notable for a couple of reasons. A lot of zombie movies are set in the... Uh, in the present or the near future, right? It's like it's sort of like this thing that can happen, this thing that's going to happen. Whereas this is set like in in our past. But for for Listagouche Mi'kmaq, um, 1981 is really important because this was the date of the first salmon raids. This is when like 500, um, you know, like uh, there were there were a variety of different RCMP. This is like provincial cops came in and just started like beating the shit out of people, like beating the shit out of Listagouche, um, like uh, fishermen like wrecking their boats and stuff, tearing up their nets, you know? So it was really like an assault on, on, uh, on Mi'kmaq sovereignty. Um, and, 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 and it's, you know, it's all over this sort of like, uh, idea of scarcity of resources, right? So Listagush Mi'kmaq who are exercising their rights to salmon were a threat to commercial farmers. So they just like, they went in and busted heads and it was super traumatic. Jeff Barnaby, the director has talked about how he was a kid when this happened. It was like hugely influential on him. But it also drew the community together. Mm-hmm. And the community, there was another big raid, but the community came together and created their own fisheries sort of um, mechanism where, where they, it's, you know, they have their own regulations. It's not, it's not beholden to Canadian law at all. It's been operating since then. And it is one of the best managed fisheries like in North America. Yeah. And this is because we were talking about Easter eggs as we were watching this movie. And so that's a huge Easter egg Ooh. for... Listagouche Mi'kmaq. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, right? Because w- the way that this movie opens is you get this freaky quote, and then it, it fades into this fishing boat and, and a guy pulling in the net mm-hmm. and, and bringing in the salmon, uh, which, you know, for me, you know, just leads into sort of like this this kind of scary, you know, nature horror scene. But for Mi'kmaq watching it, it probably has a very different resonance mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of that history. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. a great context. Yeah, and so, I mean, you can watch Incident at uh, Restigouche, because Listigouche used to be called Restigouche, by uh, Alanisa Bamsuen, uh, which details all of this. But that's the thing, is, like, you know, how many people, like, you know, Mi'kmaq know this history, maybe some folks, like, in Quebec know this history, but generally it's, like, a history that's not very well known. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, so this is what I love about this movie, is we have watched some indigenous directed movies but they're still sort of like aimed at the at the settler gaze right they're like here let us serve this to you upon you know upon this glorious platter and here he, he's really he's like it's you know a lot of the a lot of the scenes are set in Listagouche um or in Ganawagi um you know the the timing is very Mi'kmaq centric and so that like that res centered Mi'kmaq centric view is is what makes this I think really unique and and important even if you don't like the movie um, itself, because you know, maybe you're not into zombie movies. I think it makes it a really important movie because we don't have a lot of that where people will, like center their own uh, communities and their own nations. The, you know, Mi'kmaq language is, is featured heavily in this film. So yeah. yeah, and there's probably all sorts of other little Easter eggs that we're not getting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the ones is he brought up uh, Saint Anne Church. Yeah, 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 right? mm-hmm. and, and you know things like that, and um, the Van Horn Bridge. Like you have yeah. to know that area to even know the scenes that are that are brought into there. And I, I think, like, can you imagine? You know, because like you know, so many movies are set in you know these these faraway lands, New York and this and that, right? But if you're from like you know podunk fucking small town res rural area, and your community is featured, like. 
I would just be sitting there like the whole no, time. And, and the thing, because because so I'm thinking about movies like uh, Brokeback Mountain and The Revenant, which were all filmed where you know Daisy and I oh, grew well, up basically, right. and you can really re- you really recognize yeah. you know everything, and it's it's cool. Yeah. But they're not featured as those places. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, yeah. I think there's another That's layer. True. That comes in where not only is it you know the area that you're from, but it's really mm. situated. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is actually the area we're not you know we're not cutting and pasting things yeah, to make they, it look like something else. They always or, film like in Montreal or Toronto and pretend it's New York. Yeah, which if, if you're from New York, it's just be so annoying. But it's, it's cheaper. It's annoying when you're from yeah. Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like that's not fucking New York. And it's like, annoying when you're from Alberta and they're like in the Wisconsin like <laughs> yeah. hills and yeah. you're like that's right beside my cabin. <laughs> 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 um, so it's yeah like, that authenticity I think is important because like mm-hmm. yeah I mean like movie magic and everything you, you're creating this fantasy world but like it is there's something to be said for more for hometown scene. heroes yes yeah. please and, but also yeah also like indigenous people filming on our lands mm-hmm. about our communities and, and, and what and in genre film yeah genre film too like it's it's not a documentary about you know this the raids it's not this or that it's like this horror movie I was getting like evil dead vibes with the amount of blood spewing everywhere. You know, like we can, like, why not? Yeah. Why not? Because that's gonna, you know, because like, like not gonna lie, us. I would die if somebody filmed a genre film and featured like Mona Lisa Pub or something. You know, oh, one eighteen. If there was, yeah, if there was like a zombie movie so set to place of Mona Lisa, I would demand. Should we from. create a karaoke zombie movie? Oh, should we just walk around? No one steal that idea. Like <laughs> going. I love that you brought karaoke into this. It's so great. Well, Mona Lisa Pub. Like, I know, but like zombies, karaoke, Mona Lisa Pub, it's like a trifecta of delicious. I mean, I think let's put a pin in this yeah. uh, for later film ideas. Because <laughs> yeah. We should probably talk about the movie now. Yeah, right, 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 right. Okay, so, okay, so, uh, you know, the guy's he's pulling in um, salmon in his net. Uh, the boat pulls into shore. He's gutting the fish. Um, you know, there's some really, truly loving shots of the guts coming out of the fish. Um, really just to, you know, set the stage, amp up this body horror situation. And then the gutted fish start flapping around, even though they're already dead. Which the first, the trailer, the first trailer that I ever saw for this movie, that was like the opening. And I just remember being like, oh, shit. I know. I remember being like, this is going to be so scary. This is going to be crazy. Yeah, Um, it's great. And yeah, we have Grandpa gutting the fish expertly because he's been doing it for six years. Uh, but we'll, we'll get more into Grandpa yeah, later. But he's, oh, yeah, but how much we all loved him <laughs> we so love much. Him so much. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, and okay, and then there's there's like two animated scenes in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, one right here, right after the gutted fish. So there's this red glowing sickly sky, this sort of like scene of urbanity, which is like like factories spewing stuff into the into the air. It, it you know like everything looks diseased. There's a pregnant woman on top of this sort of hill, and she starts. I don't know, like having labor pains or something, and this sort of like um, green glowing energy or greenish blue turquoise energy starts flowing down into the earth and under the earth, and then we get the scene of like a road. So I, I thought that was interesting because one of the one of the main characters is also pregnant. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually I was really interested because I actually caught I think three or four animated scenes because oh, there's maybe. there's this one at the beginning, there is one near the end. Yeah. And then there's one. one of Lysol at one point, and then I think there's one other one. Oh, maybe and I didn't mark down. Interesting, but yeah. So I'm really interested in this use of animation. Yeah. Sort of because it's it's completely unremarked on, and mm. from what I could tell, 
like none of them advance the plot. They're not narrative, right? Right. In their in their utility, there's yeah. something else going on there, and I couldn't quite put my finger on what it is. Well, and and that's interesting because like with everything, like you know, movies are expensive to make, right? So every single visual that you create and and, and show has to like do something, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I only I, I I only remember the two. And so I think, like, and they're very brief. They're very mm-hmm. brief. But obviously, like, so a lot of thought goes into what are we showing and what, what is it saying. And so I wonder if it's chapter headings. That's interesting. That's an interesting idea. That I would make sense. I'd have to watch it again. So I guess this is the other thing is, Chelsea, yeah. you've, you've seen this movie and you've written on this movie. Yeah, so you've yeah. already thought analytically about it. I know Daisy watched this movie at least a few times to prepare for this. I'd never seen it. Right. So I also really like that we're coming together. Damn, with how did you notice that? I didn't notice that. I've like, actually only seen this movie one time. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and it but was still once more than hers. It's true. It's true. It was at the Calgary Film Fest, and um, it was incredible, but it was, well, I mean, it was incredible because the audience the entire time was screaming and cheering. <laughs> Um, was it like a native audience? 100%. Okay, amazing. So amazing. all of us were just freaking out the different... whole time. Yeah. Um, so it was. It really felt like a party more than a movie watching experience. So I feel like yeah. I didn't catch a lot. Like I caught way more this time around. Right. Yeah. Um, Fill up your cup thank here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. That's definitely something to watch out for when when watching this movie is is these short pieces of animation. They're almost they're almost stills. They're almost yeah. They're um, also stunningly beautiful. Yeah, they yeah, are beautiful. Really well done. Whoever did that animation is is fabulous. Um, but yeah, no, it is it is interesting, and it's again, it's one of those things. It's never remarked on. Um, I like know, the idea of the being chapter headings because mm-hmm. it, it does really it like presage or, or like act. You know, the, yes, the first start. The start of a new act or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes a lot of sense for sort of like the way that the movie comes together. Yeah. Another thing that I think is interesting about this movie is the pacing. Mm-hmm. So it's a zombie film, so you expect it to be very action-y, but there's a lot of like um, very slow sort of um, character building and relationship building stuff yes. that goes on, uh, which is, you know, I don't I don't know. It's Yeah, I, was, I wasn't expecting that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I Honestly, for the first 20 minutes, I was sort of like almost like checking my watch. Like, yeah. is this really... Like am I it's a bit of a slow burn, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, but, you, but I appreciate that because yeah. you don't that's the other thing is like I feel like movies these days are so much more fast paced. Yeah. And I wonder too if that's a nod to nineteen eighty one film mm-hmm. where you do you take that time a lot more to get to know the characters, to get these relationships set up. Um and I also find it interesting because you know, the characters they come together very slowly and then starts stuff just starts happening yeah and i think you know that slow build makes it so that you can do that really really heavy mm-hmm. like plot like that you know everything just speeds up <laughs> it's really actiony it's really plotty well and you have a lot of like different characters that you've mm-hmm. had enough time to sort of be like okay i know what this is it's See, separate. i thought i thought mm-hmm. it was a i guess i thought it was a slow build but i also was so invested like we have trailer right from the start he goes and sees his dad like things start happening pretty quickly yeah Yeah. but it just seemed it seemed interesting for a zombie film yeah Yeah, because usually you're getting like bam 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 zombies right away you know yeah yeah but in this like yeah the the zombies they really are just they start trickling in well and they start as animals we get the zombie fish Mm -hmm. and then we get trailer's zombie dog Yeah. yeah and then we also just loved trailer the whole time. Like yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah totally. And and okay, let's talk about the soundscape a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I also appreciate the fact that it was fairly understated because like sound, like you definitely notice from like older films, older films, 
use silence a lot. Yeah. And, and new films, it's like there's always sort of like thematic and mood music going on. It's a bit overwhelming sometimes. Whereas this, I think, hit a, hit a nice balance between like, one, no flutes, no fucking eagle screeches, oh no like random rattles. Thank you. I have yeah. written down not a flute in sight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Which I should have said not with an earshot, but um, no, in sight. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. But the soundscape reminded me of The Shining because The Shining mm-hmm. has this sort of like really like sort of like bass heavy kind of like just kind of like creepy fucking music that makes your skin crawl mm-hmm. and and the music at the beginning of this as well during that beautiful sweeping shot of the bridge of the van horn bridge also like just kind of like just like unsettling music that you can almost not hear right it just sort of like gets into your bones yeah. like that i was just honestly so happy that you know that you know that's fucking michael bay sound that like like that fog horn <laughs> every time he's an action yes. movie I just was so grateful that there wasn't a boom. That, like, <laughs> fuck I you, just, Michael Bay. Yeah, fuck Michael. Oh, if you're my indigenous director. Yeah, yeah literally. Um, okay, so yeah, you get you get the cool opening music, um, and then uh, the cop. We don't know his name at this point. His name is Trailer. Uh, pulls up. There's a sick dog, um, and Trailer has to shoot the dog. Uh, and then, we, you know, we get some of that, you know, initial interpersonal interaction. Um, I'm going to actually just pause. Okay, yeah, so this is where that, that interpersonal um, sort of building comes in, right? Where I think Trailer says something like, oh, what I wouldn't give to shoot my ex's dog. No, 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 Trailer doesn't say that. Is the other guy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, um, so then what's his face? Uh, I didn't, I couldn't figure out who that. Okay, he's, we only see him a little bit. Moon. Is, that was Moon? That was Moon. That was Gary Farmer. Gary Farmer. Yeah. Gary Farmer. Okay, can I just say, <laughs> I feel like having Gary Farmer in your Indian movie is like a coup at this yeah, point. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like he's so recognizable. Like, and I'm, he plays such a great dirtbag because you, you like you know him as a dirtbag, right? So every time like he shows up, you're just like, okay, it's Gary Farmer. Like, yeah. now we're doing it. Now it's on. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So yeah. Okay. So Gary Farmer says, you know, what I wouldn't give to shoot my ex's dog. Oh, he's a dirtbag. I okay, because I thought Trailer had said that, and I was like, excuse me, Trailer. No, because it is his ex's dog. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Joss's yeah, dog. Yeah. Um. Okay. So then, uh, so Trailer then goes to his ex's, uh, presumably, uh, who is Joss, um, who's played by Almaya Feathers. Uh, and of course, you know, you instantly recognize her from a red girl's reasoning. So you know that she's there to kick some ass. <laughs> she's also just the voice of reason mm. throughout the film. Oh, she's unlikable. She's like, even when, even when things are at the worst, she's just like, yeah, she takes care of all the shit Yeah, in the most, in the best way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And actually, I don't know, do we want to talk about this now? Like, her, like, the women's role yes. in all of this? Okay, we, we definitely have to talk about that. Because okay. that's, a, that's, a, that's a common critique of Barnaby's films. Um, yeah, I mean, so, okay, so the, the, the female characters that we sort of pay attention to in this film, we've got Josh, so she's a nurse, she's trailer's ex, she's, like, unflappable, she's amazing, um, great under pressure, and then we have Charlie, the pregnant girlfriend of uh, Joss's, um, Joseph. Yeah, son Joseph. And, you know, so they, those two sort of, like, stick throughout the movie. Yeah. And then the other... James. Well, James. I, I'm not sure if James is non-binary at this point. Like, That's true you that know? you never said. No, there's no... And, and I like that. I really mm-hmm. like that about that. So Debbie Jacobs plays this sort of character, James who is not overtly female. I mean, I think they use she pronouns at one point, but, like, 
But it's also just the baddest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total badass and, like, actually bad. And then, um, although we, we have to discuss that. And then the, uh, the other one is the six zombie. Uh, and, um, yeah, there's a six zombie girl. And there's Lilith. The, I thought that was an interesting name. Yeah. And there's a dispatcher who is right. only the voice. For, like, almost like the voice of God for Trailer. Like 90% of the film, yeah. Yeah, we hear, we hear her, but we don't see her until near the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I only recognized her because of her voice. Of her voice. Which her voice I thought was, was quite really interesting. That was well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, I love Joss. I thought she was a fantastic character. But like, my God, this is a dude heavy movie. It is movie. very dude And like, you cannot tell me that there wouldn't be a bunch of Andes out there with shotguns over their shoulders, yes. wielding a bunch of those metal ass axes that they're holding. Right. Like, actually doing the zombie killing. Yes. All the zombie, yeah, it is. Like, you you don't really see other women. There, there aren't any aunties. There's no grandmas. There's no, like, that's it. It's just like this sort of band of dudes going out and creating havoc. Yeah. And I mean, like, okay, that's that's a positionality issue too, right? Like, you know, you're a dude making a like a film, you get this money, you're gonna be like, okay, this is what me and my buds would do, right? <laughs> and and I mean, like, we're like, if we did it, if somebody gave us like cartoonishly large, you know, bags full of cash and was like, make a movie, it, it would be totally like chick heavy. We'd be like, I also you know? think any time, at least for me personally. I see a zombie movie, I'm instantly being like, this is who I would have, like, on my team. This is who I would have around. This is how I would do this. And me watching this movie, it's like, I would have Molly. Like, I would have... Oh, you mean, like, real people? I like thought you meant, like, people. characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but, yeah. but yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I... Every time I watch a zombie movie, I'm always like, this is what I would do. Yeah, this is my team up. And my team would be 95% women. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but that's a safety issue, too, because, like as sort of like societal rules or breaking down or whatever like we we i mean we'll get into this some of the deep misogyny of some of the characters right like w- would you want like you would not be cooperating with these people because they're like actively sexually like preying on you or like or doing like you know kind of sketchy shit right mm-hmm. so yeah i mean yeah and that's and that's actually uh have we real... ever seen like a female directed like zombies? No, it's going to be ours okay. at Mona Lisa Pub. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> With karaoke. All right. Mona Lisa zombie. Um, but, but, but no. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, I think that's one of my big beefs, particularly with horror yes. and with sort of like the body horror sci-fi. Like I'm thinking especially of uh, Battlestar Galactica here. Okay. Where you get these strong female characters. And I will say this. Like I did I did think this movie um, it leans heavily on the patriarchy yeah. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. However... Joss, as a character, is a strong woman, and I think I think that this is allowed to happen because she's confined primarily to the domestic sphere. Mm-hmm. However, there is no point in which uh, the story makes a point of taking away her power as a woman. I'm thinking about Star Trek Voyager, and I'm thinking yeah. about Battlestar Galactica here, yeah. where you get these really strong woman characters who are in these really gendered and really embodied ways forced into kinds of vulnerability um, and weakness yeah. in ways that men never are. True, true. And so I will say that, like, you know, while I was like, oh, look, it's dudes running stuff, as if, ha, 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 like, Joss is never subject to that. Charlie, however, is. Oh, for as sure. As soon as you put a pregnant woman yeah. in a movie, yeah. and I would argue, like, I don't think I've ever seen a pregnant non-woman, but, like, pregnant people in films... Women are women are pregnant in films in order that they can be subject to violence. Yeah, I, I don't. I like. I can think of very few. You know, like particularly with with the horror, with the sci-fi, or whatever. Like they're going to make a point of 
perpetrating horror on a pregnant person's body. Yeah. Well, and, and what I like, too, is that Joss is never sort of set up to, like, re-entangle herself with Trailer. Love they don't, that. Yeah, Thank they God. don't reignite their, <laughs> yeah. you know, their exes and they stay exes. You know, she's she takes care of him the same way that she takes care of any patient. Um, you know, and, and, and there's no there's no feeling that she would, like, you know, obviously she has these familial ties to him because it's the father of her child. But it, it she's not set up as, like, the love interest. And that, yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just yeah. runs the show. Yeah. yeah. But that one scene where she comes out and she's holding that axe yeah. and she's going to just she's take just care ready. of whatever's yeah. going to happen there. Yeah. Like, I love that. I love that. I just, her. I wanted to see that through. I wanted, I yeah. wanted to see her like kill some grandpa. Yeah. Just yeah. owning, just like mowing them down. Yeah. You know, that's all I want. I want to see blood spraying on right. her. It's not necessarily, yeah. Like you can believe that James goes out and kills zombies, right? Because James is set up that way. Mm-hmm. But but you don't you don't get the sense that Charlie's out there, you know, you know, uh, or Joss. And and that's it. That's it for like I can yeah. I could totally like picture like uh Doris out there doing shit because Doris seemed like a total badass too. But Doris was like the there's a word for that. Like maybe or maybe I just learned that from Spider-Man where it's like the guy in the chair. She's she's the girl in the chair. Oh, right? Yeah. Like the person who like reports and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, but, but, but okay, I mean, but but, is, that, but about that fear. horror thing you were saying. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because when you do watch horror films, um, you know, so we're both whims, right? But I have this like need to know what the thing is in horror films. So I watch more horror films, even though it deeply disturbs me, and I'm a total wimp about it. But the horror films that are directed by women are very different that way because they often do play out the horror of of being a woman in patriarchy. Right, like, like, so you know, there's like these moments of like deep discomfort, and like, um, you know, there's always the threat of sexual violence, but there's also sort of this cathartic release and like murder of all the men, um, and you see that also with like black directors, you know, like I'm thinking of like Get Out and stuff like that, where they like the horror is white supremacy, right? So I think okay, so like, what is what is Jeff Barnaby doing with this film? Right. We've never we haven't said the C word yet, but like colonialism obviously features heavily in this, like the idea of white people. And and it really does focus on white people, not necessarily like all non-native people. It focuses mm-hmm. on white people yeah. being sort of the vectors of infection and the danger. Right. And, and, and look at what happens, like the fish, everything from the river is bad meat. Mm-hmm. Like salmon are like like so central to Mi'kmaq like, culture. Right, yeah. like that—that's yeah. such a violation. So, so many of them are just like deep ocean people. Right. So, like yeah. this, yeah, this salmon raids in 1981 also really focused on that as a food source and as as an act of like denying their sovereignty. And here, the salmon are like made bad; they're tainted by this like whatever it is. They don't name it as a virus or an infection or anything. It's just like mm. yeah. And so, it's colonialism is again like deprived the Mi'kmaq of their food source yeah. and then dogs is the other one and yeah like indigenous nations you know all over the place have really deep relationships with, with dogs, dogs which colonialism has also fucked with mm-hmm. Years, mm-hmm. right and so yeah it becomes like it's definitely you know colonialism is the thing but it is interesting to see the ways in which you know what we what we call you know critically call sort of colonial patriarchy right we talk about patriarchy as a colonial import it's interesting to see the way that that plays out, even as, you know, colonialism is is being very critically present 
as sort of like, again, as, as the vector and white people are the vector in this way, you see these indigenous men reproducing patriarchal yeah. roles and you see this movie reproducing patriarchal roles. Sure. Like thinking about these spheres yeah. that these like women characters are put in. Yeah, there's no right? way that Mi'kmaq women of yore were not total fucking badasses and continue to be today. And yeah. would kill all the zombies. 100%. Like, well, like to protect their love to yeah. see Omaya just kill oh, yes. so many zombies. And it's like, now we're just after this, we're just gonna have to watch Rihanna videos, music videos, because she kills boyfriends yeah, yeah, in yeah. like three of her videos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I know. I, so, I want this. But, I want this real. But I do. I find this really interesting, right? Because, like, to me, she can't do that. Like, she's ready to do that work, but she can't do that work on film because she's already has a role. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm not, I don't want, like, I'm not at all comparing this to any sort of white film where we never see Indigenous women. If we see them, they're naked they're speaking or they don't talk yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I'm not making that comparison. But, again, you, like, the limited nature of what we're allowed to do in film, I think, mm. is is played out in mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. once again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, like, you know, saying that, you know, it's, it's this or that. But, um, you know, I do think it, it is notable, right? It's like how because i think speculative fiction when we talk about speculative fiction a lot of what we talk about is is envisioning futures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and, and you can do that in past you can suddenly be in the past and still envision for sure right you can and imagine so, otherwise yeah. yeah and so if we're trying to imagine otherwise like what if all these white people uh became zombies and native people were immune mm-hmm. but you can't imagine otherwise like a, like a domestically inclined woman or a woman who's a nurse who's in a caring role also kicking some zombie ass okay. and bathing in zombie blood like what does that like how like what avenues of imagination are shut down so this is this is why I think it's really important to know Jeff Barnaby's work outside of a single film mm. because you look at all of his shorts like so he started off with all these short films and then you know it kind of breaks through with rhymes ring on ghouls but sort of in all of his films Colonialism is internalized in these characters and come and and is and like the, you've got intergenerational trauma like up the wazoo, right? And so these characters come out with all of this deep damage that's been done because of colonialism, and they are um, deeply flawed, deeply self-destructive, um, often uh, antagonistic to their own people, you know. And I think that's really real. Like so, he's totally. you know he's talking about some dynamics here that that we often don't want to talk about the lateral violence the sort of you know the way that we you know when we were critiquing blood quantum at the beginning how we apply it to ourselves and to other people um you know how how is patriarchy sort of been and and religion you know because like let's talk about the church right the church was a full fo- is a focal uh visual feature of this film you know how how is the church played into that that way that people take up these roles in, in really like um laterally destructive ways so I think I think a lot of this film is not is he's not just critiquing colonial colonialism like per se he's not like white people are evil and look at this blanket and look where he yells you know speak English but he's also like look at the the, the character of Lysol and sorry if you're trying to like figure out what this movie's about just go fucking watch it yeah you're jumping all over the place yeah. but so Lysol um, you know is becomes the bad guy why because he he has this like hatred for white people. Um, he's also trying to protect his community, but he's also fucked up with this intergenerational trauma and daddy mm-hmm. issues. And he's just, and he's a misogynist piece of shit. And he's a bad, fa- you know, family well, and member. And that's just it, right? It's like, and, and actually that's something that I found really interesting about Lysa's character is that 
he acts not just because he hates white people, mm-hmm. but also because he hates women. And he hates himself. And yeah. he hates his family. And he hates, like, he hates everything. Yeah. But it builds. Like, he starts, mm-hmm. he's, it starts with him just being, like, a bad boy. Yeah. And his brother, Joseph, is there, and they start in the jail cell, and, you know, they get into trouble, and Joseph kind of gets into more trouble than he probably would have normally because he wants to be there for his half-brother and all of these things. And so it's like he's just a bad boy. But then through the movie, it builds. And especially after, you know, the initial zombie shit goes down and it builds and it goes to six months later, it's suddenly like he's taken this insane turn where he's now, he's not a bad boy anymore. He hates white people. He hates himself. He hates his fucking dad. Like he hates he, yeah, he, he hates. almost hates his brother at yeah. that point. Like yeah. it's like it yeah, because of Charlie and yeah, he takes such a turn. Yeah. Okay, but he'll okay. even kill his own people because he has this vision for okay. how. Yeah, and and I I get that, and I I think you know this this movie as a text deserves that kind of really nuanced reading. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you know, I think when we watch shows that are like by and for white people, like you know, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, can whatever. make those blanket critiques or whatever. But I do I wonder where the balance is mm-hmm. between reproducing the same type of patriarchal yes. dynamics you see in communities and fighting back against them. Yes. And, and this is the problem with the short film we watched. Mm-hmm. So do you remember, um, ah, fuck, I can't remember what it's called now, but it was like super body horror. Um, oh yeah, I remember the one you talked about. Yeah, and it's, uh, I, I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. I forget the name, but I've been drinking a lot of wine. Anyway, but this, it's like this Mi'kmaq character who wants to get like basically like white skin on because he hates himself so much. And then there's that joke, this like horrible, sexually violent ancestral joke at the end and we had the same question then is like you know what what is this doing is this just replicating the violence and so that's the thing with this is um i I, i'm I'm very uneasy with a lot of barnaby's characters for that reason and i think that that's on purpose like honestly after seeing it over and over again like and also talking directly to him um i feel like i feel like he he creates his characters in ways that um you know, they, they're, they're self-loathing characters. And but, but, yeah, and I guess I wonder, like, for me... Is it working? I don't know. Well, is it working, but also is it good enough? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, and, and like, I don't know, I, I don't want to be the person that's like, oh, you have to, you know, everybody uh, who has, you know, any sort of, you know, fame or who is recognized or this or that has to, you know, behave in ways that I think they should behave, yeah. otherwise they're bad people. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to get at that, but I do wonder, you know, if we're talking about you know, people who have certain levels of responsibility when they when they create media and they create indigenous media because there's so little out there for and by us yeah. that, like, what is your responsibility if you're a man doing this work to be, like, not just showing the ways that this is harmful, mm-hmm. but actively at the same time showing otherwise yeah Yeah. right and i I don't think from a gender perspective we didn't see otherwise no and and honestly if you're if you're looking at like you know you want to be famous so your 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 mainstream audience is white stream audience right and are they gonna see any of the nuance here you know are you are you sort of offering a vision that sort of opposes the noble savage by presenting the degenerate savage, you right. know? And particularly the degenerate half-breed savage, because the is a half-breed, right? His mom was white. Oh, yes. shit. Yeah. Oh, Here we go Did again. Did they say that? Lysol's what? yes. They they talk about it a couple of times. So she's, she was from town. She died. Oh, they never talk about how she dies or whatever. But apparently it's awful, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, like, like, but that's the thing is, 
again, see, this is this is hard sort of path to trod because, you know, as 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 any sort of like indigenous creator, even if you want to be making your art for other native people, you know, and there are we talked about some of the Easter eggs here that are just for like, you know, specifically Mi'kmaq. Maybe if you know about it, other native people, great. Um, but what's your responsibility like? You, you get this sort of platform and you're like, okay, I'm going to make it so that Native people get it. But then white people take this other view of it. Is that your problem? Like, I don't know. I Like, I struggle with that. I struggle yeah. with that a lot. But I mean, but I think in this one, it's not just about the way white people read it. It's also about the way that we as yeah, Indigenous for women sure. are reading this film. Yeah, for sure. Right? And for I guess sure. that's that's sort of the other. But I do, like, and that's that's the thing, right? And I, I don't know. Like, I'm interested in this because, I don't know, I hesitate... To see, like obviously this isn't the first generation of native filmmakers mm-hmm, that we're talking mm-hmm. about here. However, you know, outside of documentaries, like outside of you know, yeah, Alanis Bonsawin, basically, uh, we are sort of talking about the first generation of people who are having access to the mainstream as filmmakers or having access as actors mm-hmm. to act in films that are written and directed and produced by native people. Yes, right, and so you know, like. To a certain extent, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this from an academic perspective and looking back on the work done by people that come before me, mm-hmm. you know, I can look at that now and be like, wow, this is really limited in these certain ways, but I couldn't be where I am as an academic and thinking through things yeah. the way that I'm thinking through them yeah. without that work. Yeah. And just thinking about, you know, and I don't like... And a lot of that work is behind the scenes. So what I think is interesting yeah. is when I when I did interview Jeff Barnby, he brought up the fact that there are sort of like um, filming zones that is, so there's like unions involved in everything, right? And so if you want to film sort of on location in, uh, it, you know, on your own res or in this isolated area, like the north or whatever, um, you can sort of be financially penalized for that because it's outside of these production zones. I, I don't, I would not say that I understand this all that well, but that's the thing is like, we're talking about the interchangeability of certain like urban spaces, right? It's like fine to throw in a, a because it's cheaper to film in, you know, Lina Clu than some, like, you know, uh, New York subway. But, like, if you want to be, like, but but you can do that as a non-Native director, and who fucking cares? But you, when you are, like, responsible and beholden to your own community, and you want to film in your community, it costs you more, and it's, like, a, a headache to get all the, I don't know, all the fucking red tape done dealt with, you know, but you have to do it, because if you don't, people are going to fucking, like, Bitch at you, your auntie's gonna call you and be like, oh, fuck really. you, why didn't you film here? You know? Yeah. We have yeah. If, you, if you made a movie set in Lustigouche and you filmed in some park in no. Montreal, like, that's no. not, it's, it's not, not acceptable, but it's, it's not acceptable, acceptable and it's f- also not going to work for what you're trying yeah. to do as yeah. a native filmmaker. But it's acceptable if you're not native. Yeah. That's the thing is, they don't have these responsibilities. They don't have to answer back to their communities. Like, fucking, I was, you know, as we were watching that, and there's that gory scene in the church, like, I had to be like, did they get permission to get into the St. Anne Church to do this? Because I can't imagine I can't, that they would. I also and, just and he can't said no. imagine, like, how many people would just be pissed off by that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, that is a bold move. That is the thing. And and they weren't, by the way, in the St. Anne Church in Listigooch. It was a, it was an, at another location. But, like, you do those kinds of things, and you, you have to answer to them. Like, people from your community will straight up, like, go on Facebook and call you a fucking asshole. Like... Yeah. You know, whereas like, you know, you don't necessarily have those same responsibilities. So a lot of the work that you're talking about, like to sort of, you know, um, to sort of set these things up, like advance, you know, maybe it is 
you know, these guys making people aware that, hey, we want to we want to be able to film on a reserve. And can we maybe change some of the rules about that? Can we make it a bit easier? You know, because another thing that that he talks about a lot in his interviews is like even the folks he was working with didn't really necessarily understand why it was so important to film in Mustagush, you know, or or in Ganawage. Like, why why does that matter? Why not just film anywhere? Aren't places interchangeable? Like, as Indigenous peoples, we have a geographic responsibility. Mm -hmm. We have a kinship responsibility. And those things don't just go away because somebody gives us, like, you know, a million bucks to make a movie. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. And I think that's why, like, I, again, like, would have loved to to see Omaya kill some more people and, like, Mm -hmm. do the thing. But I just also feel so obsessed with this concept overall like I find it hard to critique Mm -hmm. because it just feels so good to see what we just saw yeah and that's that's super important I just am like I was amped up the whole time and when I saw it in theaters like I was just screaming everyone was screaming the whole time yeah and it's like it is so gory and it is so wild and it just it just feels good to see an indigenous zombie film where indigenous people are fucking it up and they don't care and there's gore and there's guts and there's axes and chainsaws chainsaws and wood chippers like industrial size (laughs) wood chippers like i feel like we need to talk about the gore in this movie yeah yeah yeah. because it is so if you've never seen the movie this is the it's the goriest movie i've ever seen it's up there it's not the goriest movie i've ever seen but it's it it is well up there yeah but but i do i think days just to maybe just to close this unless um either of you have anything else you want to add to this you know i think that that's a really good point is that you know thinking about this as sort of the first indigenous zombie movie yes that's a fucking big deal you know like it's got it's got all sorts of limitations, um, and you know I I think they deserve to be critiqued. I think yeah that yeah we're not above critique. We're not gonna like no. not critique. Like I'm not yeah. yeah, but you know this is this is the first of hopefully many. This is the yeah. wedge yeah. that is going to like open this up for so many more people. Hopefully, right? And so it you know it's not the perfect film. Uh, it has its limitations, but. Everything else, hopefully, that comes after it is going to build upon or take it in a totally different direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, this is our this is our native genre film. Yeah, but maybe you know? maybe more native directors will get like a, you know somebody will actually listen to what they're pitching because of this because yeah. it you know yeah because like you know we've had the opportunity to to watch and chat with you know movies that are you know are in, like shorts and that kind of yeah. thing are, are written and directed by indigenous women and. You know, like there's all sorts of filmmakers out there just waiting for their chance. Yes. And just so, give like, them the money. You know, it's say really what you will about issue. this movie. Yeah. yeah, say what you will about this movie. Say what you will about you know whatever. But if this movie is, you know, if if somebody can put, you know, it's going to, you know, you do that like grant bullshit that yeah, you write yeah, on yeah. your grant. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be a bit like uh, Jeff Burnaby's uh, Blood Quantum. Yeah. And somebody says, oh, I've heard of that. I've seen that. Yeah. I now it's legible to me as somebody with big cartoonishly large bags of money mm-hmm. that is a victory for us like yes you know this movie is a victory for us because it exists because you can sit in a theater with surrounded by other native people just like screaming and, and loving it together loving it. Yes, that's I a victory that. yeah and then the other victory is that everything that comes after it you know whether or not it's directly beholden to it mm-hmm. like it's helping right and i think that that's really important and it's yeah. a victory seeing 
like I said, right when the movie started, when the credits, like the opening credits started rolling, I was like, this cast is stacked. Yeah, like, it's a powerhouse It is cast. so invigorating to see the people that are in this movie do what they do in this movie, and it feels good, and it looks good, and... Like it's a and the gore is good. The gore is good. Zombie. <laughs> it is though. Movie. Like those special effects, like with the intestines and oh, even like, the dead fish flopping oh, around. Man. That was impressive. No, they did like their 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 the special effect. Like I was quite impressed with that. With just like in terms of the quality, and just no CGI. Yeah. As far as I could tell, anyway, no CGI. I, see, which no, the, I thought was really the color refreshing. palette was phenomenal. Yeah, was the anime, you know, the illustrative animations were phenomenal. Yeah. The cast yeah. was incredible. Like it's hard. It was just so artful and so well done. Yeah. And then to see the cast as they were and to see... Also just Gary just Farmer. lit my fire. And his stupid fucking white man light. That was for every Native person. Oh, and I just... It. I appreciated that so much because, you know... There were a lot of moments like, like that when you like, yeah. like and, and really like on the nose, but on the nose for us, not necessarily not for them. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's Love get it. into that a little bit. So we, we've talked a lot, so we're just going to kind of skim yeah, a little bit. Yeah, let's skim. Let's skim. Yeah. Okay. So um, basically, so the first, the first, like, you know, we, we know about the floppy fish and the dead dog, and then there's a guy in the jail with uh, Joseph and Lysol. Uh, Joseph got picked up for. Shitting on a car. Which is, like, amazingly rectal control. I don't even know how you manage... Like, that car is driving under you. You manage to shit on it. That is, Presumably like... Presumably at, like, at least 50 feet. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's yeah. movie magic, okay? <laughs> so, I didn't so, ask any questions. No, don't ask questions. <laughs> I just believed. So, this guy... There's a there's a white guy in the in the jail who's, like, puking up blood, dies, becomes a zombie, attacks folks. So, we sort of, like... Now we see that it's been transmitted to humans. Yeah, and then Joseph... The son, who the sh- the car shooter, uh, gets bit, and I was like, Joseph, no, because I didn't know that the conceit was that native people can't get the virus. So I was like, oh, this is going to be so tragic, and yeah. Joseph's going to go. And if you don't know that, it actually like the the film is very slow to spell it out. Very slow. Yeah. I don't I don't think I got it until at least two thirds into the yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you're just watching this cold, you might not like. You don't I thought get that. Joseph was the only one who was immune. Like. Yeah, for a long time, and you had to be like, no, no, all native people are immune. Like, yeah, oh, and there's, <laughs> and then there's a few things that it's easy to miss, like um, when okay, so six months later into the zombie plague, there's this sort of um, sea can outpost created, right? Like this sort of like um, fortress, and it's cool. That's when I'm we get so cool. robots. It was very, and and that's when we get introduced to James, and then we see Lysol there. They're sort of guarding, and they've got this like pet zombie. Um, in like this like old like German World War Two helmet and it's got like no I limbs. I kind of loved that. No, yeah. I loved that. I, I love that because of the ways <laughs> in which the Canadian Army gets mobilized against Native people all the yeah. time. So and so it's soldier. like this, yeah, this like yeah. zombified army guy shows up and they just chain him up and fuck with him, presumably forever. So I don't know if you noticed, but he was spray painting like on the zombie as well, and so you don't see the full message until the until the gate closes, and it, and so it's if if uh, if they're red they're dead, if they're white they bite. So that's like that's the first inkling oh, you get that like native people are immune to to whatever this is. Interesting. Yeah. I also love this idea of the white zombie as this insatiable consumer. It's a wicked goal. It's a wicked flesh. Yeah. yeah. And and that's and then that's sort of you know 
like, I don't want to say, ever, like, I'm sure some movie has done this sort of, like, Wendigo, mm. like, zombie, like, I'm sure somebody's made that connection, yeah. but in this one, I love it because it's, you don't, they don't spell it out, they don't sit down and say, oh, according to, you know, this ancient yeah, 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 proper, exactly, this and that, right, but, like, it's, and they never link it to it's that, it's always there, and, and, it, which I also appreciate, because I don't know if Mi'kmaq have, I'm sure they have something comparable, but I don't think that they no, have, like, week ago, so, so like, I love that it didn't become this pan Indian thing. But you know that like that that constant drive to consume, consume, yeah. consume, consume. I think is something that you know every indigenous person understands mm-hmm. that that's how whiteness functions. Exactly. Right? And then of course like the disease thing, obviously. Yeah, and so and so when we first see this compound, so Joey rocks up with trailer, um, and they've got like uh, this. They they call them stragglers, boat people. So they've closed off. Yeah, townies. So townies, like, Campbellton is right across from Listadouche. I'm not sure. I can't remember what they call Campbellton in this because they're, like, fictionalizing it. But um, they've cut off the bridge. They've cut off all the highways. Wait, they've cut off the bridge with the wood chipper that the yeah. zombies just run into. Just run yeah. into, yeah. And Gary Farmer is it's running the water. Just sitting there, drinking, drinking whiskey, fucking, <laughs> like, whatever. Just another day on the zombie chipper farm. Hilarious. Okay, can I also give a quick nod to the aesthetic that you know after the six months another at this outpost or whatever yes. you want to call it they're dirty there's layers they have leather like yeah, yeah there's yeah. blood they're scraped up machetes and swords there's and, yeah. barrels i said this while we were watching oh, you know it's a zombie movie where there's just empty barrels everywhere and, and, and many fire, of the yeah. barrels are burning like yeah. there's no it's just well, there's fire out. there's dirt there's blood and there's yeah. gary farmer okay yeah. so yeah, <laughs> I, I do. The aesthetic is very fire, dirt, blood, dairy farmer. What does he mean in the film? Okay, but it's interesting. <laughs> so this post-apocalyptic vision for sort of a stronghold is, is you know, it's it's, it's very interesting because it's yeah, it's sea cans. It's sort of like you go inside. There's a gate. Um, it's muddy barrels. Da da da. There's like the nurse station. There's the boat people. The boat people are white people who have come across. Um, into Red Crow, into Lustigush on on their boats, right? So they're the refugees now. It's all white people. And, you know, but, like, again, imagining other otherwise, like, what, what would our, like, indigenous feminist zombie compound look like? You know, like, but you definitely, look, you know, like, the aesthetic, I want to say would be somewhat similar insofar as, like, I want to look like a badass 80s film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, uh, there'd be some fucking gardens and shit. Like, yeah, we would yeah. not be running like this. We would not be, like, oh, more mouse to feed. We'd be like, wow, we planted all these gardens yeah. and we have so much food come on in yeah so there's this hostility right away um charlie the white pregnant girlfriend of joseph has been they're they're really like how do you keep doing this and and she's sort of like on this sort of humanitarian mission to take survivors which honestly i i was like this is low-key hilarious yeah that this like white girl is is doing white saviorism on her own people 100 no, super no. funny it was like Please. Yeah. I loved it. I honestly but it loved was, it. But also just the imposition. Hilarious. The real imposition that it was on that community, right? Because yeah. you've got limited resources and everything. So this is a thing where, like, at the beginning, Lysol's sort of antipathy towards these refugees is understandable. And, you know, and, and, and we get right away, what's our first example? This white father with a bitten child. Who's such, the dad is such a wiener. Yeah. I wrote that down. I was like, this guy's a wiener. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they're talking to Mi'kmaq about him, like trying to figure out what to do. He's like, speak English, speak English. He's just screaming, speak English, which is yeah. so on the nose thinks, again. Yeah, he thinks he can still like operate that dynamic, yeah. Yeah, even yeah, though yeah. he's the one coming to them. Mm-hmm. Which again, I'm not sure would white people get it. Like, you know, it seems so heavy handed to me, but 
not necessarily. Also, the blanket, the infected blanket. Yeah. Love that. So he's like, the daughter is bitten, she dies, she becomes a zombie, they have to kill her. But she's wrapped up in, in this blanket, and she's got, like, you know, her blood all over it. And he brings it into the compound, and James um, is, is like, no the fuck you can't, and burns it, right? So, like, the blanket burning also seems super on the nose. Again, probably too subtle for the white stream audience. Yeah. They're probably and just that's like, the oh, thing. makes sense. How do you fucking balance that? Mm-hmm. How do you balance that as an indigenous director? You know, you're like, okay, I want white people to watch this and give me their fucking money so I can make another film. And on the other hand, like, they're, they, they, they're so fucking collectively, deliberately, willfully ignorant of their own history that none of this shit that is very on the nose for indigenous they people... They don't even is, know what blood quantum yeah. is. How are they gonna? I yeah. know it. How do you, like, yeah. How do you create? And and this is it, right? It's like I feel like so many of us, and and again, sort of like bringing the sort of like academic history into things, right? Is you know you look back on work that is clearly writing on multiple valences, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be understood by multiple audiences while still contributing to indigenous knowledge building, you know, within the academy. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And I feel like the same thing is happening with this movie. Like we're we're at that point in film too, where you, you absolutely you have to write two movies. Yeah. 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 You gotta write the movie for the white audience to get, but you also you know native people are gonna come for your fucking neck, so you gotta make it like legible to native people and, and yeah. And also, and also, just so like, you're fucked anyway. Wait, you have Let's to just open say, the I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be the fucking indigenous director because no matter what, people are gonna shit down your throat. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but I feel like that's whatever happens. That's you know, whatever, whatever, you know, mode you're operating. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah, for sure. Right, but I, you know, and I think, but you have to do it anyway. I think you know, that's that's just you, you gotta, do. You do. You have you know, to do like, it anyway. I, I think you can do it. Like you if could Maria do it Campbell, so bad. if Maria Campbell was like. So, you know, she let the lateral violence that she experienced before her book came out define her. And she was like, no, I'm not going to release this book because so many oh, people God. fucking hate me. Like, we would be bereft of, of that text, Truly. you know, and that is true. Like, I'm sure Alanis has, like, dealt with all sorts of bullshit in her, in her long documentary career, right? Like, all of these people that we look up to that were like, wow, they were really trailblazers. Also, are people who, when you talk to them, are like, yeah so-and-so fucking spread this rumor about me for years so-and-so didn't let me come into their sweat lodge because they fucking hit me so-and-so like you know like attacked me like it is it is so these people deal with so much fucking violence also i love how you you, like your example is two women because that's you know that's the other layer they deal with if you're a woman doing any make trying to make any sort of space yeah and i think that's the other thing that we we need to talk about yeah it is is that you know like as much like whatever critiques you know Barnaby's getting or any of these native actors are getting or whatever like the women are dealing with that twofold or tenfold yep for everything and I do I think you can make shit that is bad enough that you shouldn't make it yep yep. like obviously there are people out there that are gonna have ideas that are just really terrible terrible terrible. yeah just Um, because you're native doesn't mean your idea is good however (laughs) well it's extra hard if you're a native creative yeah person exactly well and that's and that's the thing and you're flooded with ideas yeah you have like i think you know especially right now well we can you know like you know the youth have said reconciliation is dead i don't think reconciliation is ever necessarily alive it's a fucking zombie yeah it's (laughs) totally it's 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 the white it's the white possessive it's like it's that need to consume 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 right but you know we're still we've still got 
more space than we did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So I think, you know... And it happened at great personal expense of the people who absolutely. did that work. Yeah. And so I think, like, we owe it not only to ourselves and not only to the people that come after us, but also to the people that came before us mm-hmm. to do the thing. Like, yeah. we talk a lot about doing the thing. We tend to talk about yeah, it fairly yeah, yeah. lightly. But we don't talk about, like, the far, the, the sort of, like, impact or the, or the blowback or anything. Yeah, Yeah. We, well, we don't talk about the consequences, but we also don't really talk about the responsibility That's behind true. it. We're That's just, true. like, our thing's always been, we wanted to do the thing because it's fun, so we decided yeah, to we'll do, just the do the thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, doing the thing, like, it honors, like, everyone when you do the thing. Even if you get shit for it. Even if there are critiques. Even if it's not perfect, it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I'm obsessed with this film. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I'll wait till the end to give my rating, because that's, I think, what's supposed to happen with this podcast. I don't think everyone knows that I'm going to give this movie. But it just lights my fire. Like, see, this movie lights my fire. And that's good. And that's important. Because Mm -hmm. then you're going to make a movie to light other fires, and you're going to make a movie to light fires that this movie doesn't light. For whatever reason. And I don't know if I'm going to make movies, because I don't know if that's my thing. Oh, however, Whatever you make. But I'm going to talk about it, and, you know... Not fully to go back to our conversation that we had at the very beginning of this, which was blood quantum, but it's like for myself and for every native ever, like I've been asked 10 zillion times, how native are you? Who's native in your family? What's your last name? Who are you really like? And I, I've come up with so many answers over the years. Like I remember when I was younger saying, well, I have my status. And that was my answer for so long. I would just say, well, I have my status. Yeah. Or, it just shuts, like, get, or just my last name's Swain. Or my dad is this person. Or my sister's this person. Or, and now when, if someone is ever like, how native are you? Or how many are you? I just say 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and ask me one more time and like, we'll have an issue. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but see, that's why this movie, it, I just feel empowered. I feel strong. I feel like I could kill a zombie at any given moment. Yeah. Especially wait. if you had that huge, like, heavy metal axe. Like, I just... Awesome. Like, Some I of the weapons in this were great. Can we I love... talk about the weapons? Yes, because let's that talk is, about the weapons. That is how yeah. I bro- actually broke up my notes that oh, I wrote. Wow. I was like, enter axe, enter chainsaw. Yeah. I love the way that the chainsaw lance. is brought in because it's so... It's, it's, it's like, man, this is, like, inefficient... But he brings in the chainsaw, and you're like, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think one of my favorite lines in this movie was the grandpa, who is the oh, guy in the beginning oh. who's fishing the salmon, <laughs> so who, in my mind, is the best character in the The film. baddest of all asses. I Absolutely. think we all fucking agree on that. war vet with this yeah. samurai sword that he clearly took off of the corpse of an enemy. Who also war. is the only one who never whines about the situation or his life at all. No. Like, everybody else... Actually, Joss doesn't either. To be yeah. fair to Joss. No, she doesn't. Love Joss for this. Joss and the grandpa. If you had... If, like, if there was a Joss and grandpa team up, yeah. unstoppable. You wouldn't even have a movie. They would just put us up... Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, the grandpa at one point, you know, everybody's got these shotguns and they're like, oh, we don't have enough bullets if we have to kill everyone. Blah, blah, blah. And the grandpa's like, well, you don't have to reload a sword. He's Yee! holding a fucking sword! I have that. Yeah, I have that written down. So grandpa good. leans into oh. the zombie plague. He's like, here... More I, than any skills. other character. Yeah. I have all the skills for this. Like, I, and that's I the was thing. killing Nazis 40 years ago, yeah. and now... And been actually, fishing and hunting for, like, most of his life. Like, yeah. There's yeah. a scene where the grandpa's shutting a the trunk. They literally load various weapons into the trunk of a car. 
and Grandpa goes, they have their recreation, and we have ours. Right? <laughs> he was talking about the young people. Let them have their parties. Yeah, they have their recreation. We have ours. I was I like, zombie mm, killing. Damn. Damn, Grandpa. Grandpa he gets it. Very specific interest about Grandpa. <laughs> yes, you know, he's been waiting for this moment. Yeah. And I feel like we all know at least one person. Pick a person them. right now in your family. Think of a person right now in your family who would fucking love to kill zombies. You all have or that person. Or even if they wouldn't, like, like love it. Even no, if they'd be like, no, it. of course I wouldn't love to kill forming human beings. But you know they're ready for it. Yeah, they'll do you it. Know, you know that if they were born for this. They would step into this role so hard yeah. and so fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mine anyway, that's the grandma. Our dad. Dad would kill so many. I feel like this. It would just be zombies. Like a great time for dad to just really mobilize just all shine. of his skills. All his skills. That's the thing. Because I feel like, like dad, dad, probably, like the zombie killing he would do, and he would be good at. But it's the survival stuff. But I feel like he would really, like, he would just take us all. He would find the perfect mountain valley. He would build us the perfect a fortress. Yeah, like, <laughs> and we'd be fine. Like, yeah, there totally. wouldn't be a problem. Totally. No, like, my two people, when I was thinking, because I like to put myself in these situations, yeah. it would be Molly Swain yeah. and Mike Swain. Like, Amazing. Molly and Dad would be... My zombie killers. Also, our aesthetic would be amazing. Also, I've thought about. I've also been thinking about the zombie apocalypse thing a lot over the past like fifteen years, <laughs> if not more. <laughs> well, okay. So, so I love the span of time because for sure, for sure, <laughs> yeah. Like it, it, it occupies a disturbingly large percentage yeah. of my fantasies. And, and, and <laughs> the grandma said that you, you know, you don't have to reload a sword. So my um ideal zombie killing weapon would be a medium length handled mace yeah because you can really destroy the brain if they get in close you can still do something with it that's my thing with like these longer weapons yeah you do need something that you can you can do yeah and you don't have to reload the thing with the mace is you also don't really have to sharpen it well where the fuck are you gonna get ammunition this is the thing you're running out of ammunition there right because going to town no you can't go to town Town that's why grandpa is our favorite character there's a moment in the movie where Grandpa slices a zombie in the middle of the head, yep. takes Through the blade a fucking of door. his sword, and wipes it on his sleeve. Because you okay. got to take care of that mess. Also, that, so that makes me wonder, too, because that was like a samurai move. Yeah. Like, that was clearly, like, at least oh, not just samurai know, cinema. But, so that Ooh. makes me wonder if during World War II, maybe he was stationed in Japan. Uh, obviously, that's, that's where he got the fucking. Okay, well, from. I don't know. Maybe he's still Grandpa backstory. Grandpa backstory. Yeah, Grandpa backstory. Yeah. Okay, I like Jeff. To think of him as killing German Nazis. Make however. a movie about Grandpa. Yeah, before Blood Quantum, Quantum. where he was also he was also defeating Supernatural, but also it's starring us and just like in full Mi'kmaq. Like that's the thing too. Okay, so there's a lot of Mi'kmaq language in there. Yes, I mean not enough though, right? But I think again, you know, you you have to sort of like balance it. You know, how much how many subtitles are well, not only that, but you know, like there are a lot of Mi'kmaq people who don't speak Mi'kmaq. Well, and that's the thing is, are any of these characters, are any of the uh, the actors Mi'kmaq? I don't think so main ones yeah so they all had to learn it which i know of fucking love yeah but yeah oh yeah if you could get a grandpa like prequel would 100 okay but okay but here's okay here's the thing with the grandpa prequel (laughs) is is a grandpa prequel and then grandpa is in germany because i want him to be killing nazis he goes to japan later maybe whatever yeah yeah. he's in germany to kill nazis and he meets two metoo women mysteriously (laughs) who are there who okay and this is based off real life but now it's metoo women who like pretend to seduce Nazis to lure them in the woods to, to kill them. Kill them. Yeah, and and it, the, those women are played by us. <sighs> okay, right, okay. right. Okay. 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 Well, then there have to be three. There you go. Okay. One hundred percent. 
I'm willing to take all of the license on this because that would be ideal. Okay, I also think we, to get back to the film, not that we've been away from the film, but to get back more into the actual film, yeah. I think we need to talk about the relationship of Joseph and Lysol because it's mm-hmm. essential to this movie. Yeah, it's super fucked up. So Joseph and Lysol are half-brothers, and Joseph, from my perspective, is a sweet angel, yeah. for the most part, who's... Who has a who lot. makes bad decisions, but out of he's love. Because he loves he he loves his brother. Okay, so initially Joseph is making bad decisions, like he shits on the car, he does all the things, he gets he deliberately up. got arrested towny side. You to know, because hang out with his brother. He, yeah, to hang out with yeah, his brother. Yeah, and because his brother his half brother, whose dad is also trailer, trailer wouldn't bail out Lysol, but he would bail out yeah. Joseph. Joseph. So Which Joseph goes whole, so that they yeah, both get out together. Yeah. 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 Insane. But so if we if we move forward in the film, it kind of starts as them being like, you know, they're going out, they're doing silly young boy things, they're getting shit faced, they're doing all the things, they're shitting on bridges, they're they're doing all of that. But it transforms, especially once they're in the compound, it transforms into Joseph now has this pregnant girlfriend and has this pretty profound responsibility, and Lysol is there more emotionally deteriorated than ever. He's the worst than he ever has been. And Joseph is trying to still be his brother, but Lysol cannot deal. Totally. And I think, you know, a big part of what this movie is, is Joseph um, stepping into his own manhood. Mm. Whereas, I think previously, like, Joseph really, you know, looks up to his brother. Like, their whole relationship... Um, in this movie is really painful because it's about how Joseph has to extricate himself from his brother's fucked upness mm-hmm. and like move into his own responsibilities and that's where I actually think the portrayal of masculinity in this movie is like really interesting right because it's about Joseph stepping up and stepping into this his new role as a father and like I don't know I would, I would presumably argue that like the underlying narrative of this movie is about how you become a responsible father mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. part of Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. He has he does not have good role modeling in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from his mom, exactly. Um, and in the end, it is just him and his mom mm-hmm. and and his daughter. Uh, so how do you cast off all of these different toxic forms of patriarchy that you've been, you know, that you're both like related to and have been embedded in your whole life? And also that you've looked up to, because he really looks up to Lysol. Mm-hmm. And I think to a certain extent he looks up to his dad. Um, who's, but you his know, dad seems, is seems like a great man. But we don't know, yeah. because I mean, like, so we know the backstory that he abandoned um, Lysol, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when the when, Yeah, when the mother died, um, Alan, Lysol, goes into foster care. Yeah. Goes in, Alan, comes out Lysol, right? Like, that. that's not... Good parenting. Yeah, that, and yeah. that's not. Yeah, that's not a happy story there. And so they don't. Yeah, they don't get into it because we're like, you know, we're like, ooh. But I think that's also that's <laughs> really interesting um, critique of, of a lot of you know, and I think we've talked about this before, right? Where it's almost become acceptable for Indigenous men to be shitty, mm-hmm. shitty, 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 and then they're allowed to have this moment where they come mm-hmm. into themselves and become good people. Yeah, you know, and and take up this responsibility no matter who they leave behind no matter who they hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think that this like Lysol story is a real condemnation of Trailer. Yeah. Well, and Trailer doesn't make it. I mean, I, that's important mm-hmm. too. Who makes it out of this movie alive? Trailer doesn't make it out alive. 
No, like, neither you know, does Lysol. None of these toxic, no, you know, none of these hyper violent, toxic men who've like made these decisions that have really fundamentally fucked people up. Yeah. And for context, like Trailer gives, and I'm doing air quotes, gives his life yeah. for his family so that Joseph and Joss can get away and Joseph's girlfriend can yeah, get yeah, away, yeah. Charlie. And then later in the film, we see Lysol, you know, he obviously turns, you know, watch the movie, but. You know, he turns and fucks all the shit up, but he, yeah, stabs his brother, does all these horrible things, lets his Kills zombie into native the man compound. Or stabs another native man. Like, yeah. at this point, it's not really just about, like, hating white people. He's fucking yeah. up no, everybody. He's, he's, he's unhinged. Yeah. Um, but when Lysol actually dies, he's in this field, like, which was very, like, Remember the Titans vibes also, um, with, like, the fog. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it gets... It gets crazy. Like he's he, alone. He's alone. The zombies eat him. Yeah, the zombies eat him. Well, he's he's like severed all those ties, right? Like exactly. deliberately because he tells her he's like, I'm an asshole. Um, if you have to like get get arrested, spend time with somebody that's fucked up, don't count on me as suck a suck a suck. And we're like, listen yeah. to what he's saying. Yeah. yeah, and and that's and he says, you know, when he when he stabs Joseph, he says like, I don't have a family. Yeah, yeah. you know. But like, so it's it's and that is not only you know. Like, it's obviously, it's a sign of how fucked up Lysol's been, but it's also a sign of how fucked up Trailer has been. Yes. Yeah. In particular, and also to a certain extent, it's a condemnation of, of everyone. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's like, who, you know, who let who this guy down? In? Yeah, he was a fucking like, kid. Joss could have stepped yep. in on that. Like, the, the grandpa I mean, could have stepped in. He wasn't, he wasn't, she wasn't related to it all. No, no, but, no, but no, I mean, but yeah. you still could, right? You still yeah. could have that. Yeah, like, community could have stepped up. Right? Like, Damn, this everybody is really transforming my perspective of myself. Well, that's the thing. It's like, like, so, you know, you gotta remember, when when people make shit like this, like, this is years in the making. This is years of thinking about this. And Lysol is sort of, it's a very interesting character because he's a piece of shit, but then you you realize he's not a piece of shit because he chose to be. Mm -hmm. You know, at some point he does choose to be. You know, like, I think, like, especially by the end, he's really actively choosing it. But he is, yeah, because he's like, this is what I am. And he tells Joseph that. He says, I'm an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he is, but he does. He he chooses at that that point because he believes that that's all he can be. But what I think, okay, let's let's talk about his vision, though, because it's interesting. So he, from the very beginning, that six months in, is really adamantly opposed to having white people brought in. You know, and Charlie's like the, the you know, you're the white savior who's like, oh, you know, they're, they're people, they need help, da, da, da. He's like, why the fuck do we need to help them? You know, like any one of these guys could turn and we're all fucked, right? So like, this is important because even in this, you know, indigenous peoples are, are a precarious population, right? Like you think about like how, 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 how small our population is compared to, you know, everybody else. Um, and he's saying like, why, why can't we just think about us? Why do we have to like open our arms to these people, right? Who've been so shitty to us. And they, they talk about it a few times, like, you know, just like, you know, these people have never even shit in a place that doesn't have a door. Like they don't know how to survive. Fuck them. Right. And, and I think that's actually really, it's, it's really interesting the way that's treated because Mm -hmm. nobody comes out and says, oh, we need to do this just out of, out of a, a moral goodness of our hearts. Or like, of course we're going to do this. Yeah. Like there's no sense that, you know, the community actually has to do this or is morally obligated towards these white people in any way. Like, yeah, you don't like, do we need to save white people? Like this is like, this I, didn't, is actually, I didn't get the impression that 
like we're obligated to yeah. in this film, which yeah. I thought was really refreshing. Like they yeah. choose to, or yeah. I mean, like some people, people choose, choose to, to, but some people are opposed to that, and that's a real thing that we and have that's, to think about. Like, and that's also taken seriously in the yeah. film. And it's not just that they're you know they're bad and they're evil people yeah. that they think this way. It's it's really taken as a serious consideration. Mm-hmm. Well, and when I first watched it, and even watching it again now, I was like, I'm one hundred percent on Lysol's side. Like, if I feel like if I was in that situation, I'd be like, don't let another no. single, yeah. especially if they're white. Yeah. They can't come in here. Yeah. This is our fortress. Like, go deal, go fucking figure something out yourself. But on the other hand, if I were really in that situation, it'd be very difficult. Like, because, you know, there's that scene where he unleashes the zombie on them. You know, he's decided he's going to wipe out everybody, all the white people in there. And there's kids and stuff. Like, would you actually turn them away? Probably yeah, not. Kids, you know, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. yeah, and if you—that's the thing. It's like if you can't turn away kids, you can't turn away those kids' parents. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can't turn them away, exactly. Right? And it's a thing. And that's the thing with all of the people who sort of turn bad in this film. None of them have families, right? Or um, set themselves up. Gary Gary yeah. Farmer's character yeah. uh, is not from the res, so presumably he's not related to anybody there. Um, James lost uh, her family to dogs. Dogs yeah. ate her family. Uh, and then Lysol. Those are sort of the three big bad baddies. Yeah. Well, and and Lilith. We should talk about Lilith too. Lilith, Lilith is, is interesting. Yeah, Lilith is white. Yeah. But but it is interesting because yeah, that whole that whole weird dick eating situation. I don't know if that any of that was necessarily this fucking weird. I don't know. But but okay. But let's also talk was, about the sexual I it was violence. Like that hilarious gore thing. I, yeah. But okay. Let's talk about the sexual violence in this film, mm-hmm. which is more hinted at than actually enacted, right? Because like. So they're talking about this um this compound. I can't remember the dude's name, but he's also not from the res. We couldn't Muppet. decide. Muppet. Rob Muppet. Rob Muppet. We couldn't decide if he was native or non-native or what the fuck. But he had this like compound where he, they were like basically trafficking. Wait, I thought young Moon girls was Rob Muppet. No, no, no Moon was. Moon oh, was okay. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind then. So Moon might have found. Yeah, I think Moon's never right. been okay. found. Who knows? But anyway, so they have this compound where they're trafficking white girls. And, and basically, like, if you have sex with us, you'll be immune. Like, which you can totally see some fucking piece of shit taking advantage of. Absolutely. Like, that it is realistic, right? And and so they they go, they, um, so you got uh, Trainer, the dad, and I don't remember if it was, like, fucking the other guy's grandma. Was, no, the, no. The, oh, sorry, the, the dad is the grandma. Yeah, 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 like, Boomer. And, and I think it was Sugar. Yeah, Sugar. They're like, we're going to go clean it out. But... They were talking about cleaning it out, I think, before there was any inkling that there were zombies there. This mm-hmm. this is part that gets yeah, confusing they, they because that it was it was just a sex trafficking bullshit thing they had to clean out. Yeah. Right? But on the other hand, later on, Lysol, when he's dying, is talking about um how do you think I got the idea to like set Lilith free on the compound? This was so unclear to me. Did somebody else send a zombie into uh, Rob Muppet's compound I think on purpose? What, I think that's... What, uh, well, so either that or... So part of, like, Lilith's thing is that she um, has been bitten, but she keeps it a secret. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And so either somebody's deliberately done that, or he just was inspired by the fact that something similar had happened at Rob Muppet's place. Right. Uh, but it is it yeah, is Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things that got caught... Like just cut on the on the floor. Like they were like, okay, we don't have enough time to explain this. Yeah. But but I, but I do like this idea that like you know again you know he's a bad guy, but he's not uniquely bad. Yeah 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 right yeah. Well yeah, Moon doesn't just sign on to this for no reason. James doesn't just sign on to this for no reason. They're like they they have like this protective purpose 
But then they're also willing to kill their own people to get a, like, to, to eliminate the white threat, which mm-hmm. is scary, honestly. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, we, we basically, so what we're alluding to here is uh, Lysol hatches his plan to let a uh, zombie, Lilith, the uh, sort of refugee who has been bitten, who then bites off his dick when he, like, decides... So he's already had a sexual relationship with her before this, like, weird misogynist story tells about it. And it's, it's like, may or may not be consensual. Yeah, well, I mean, this this time in the... when At the party, it's sort of like, she's really vulnerable. She's a fucking refugee. And he's like, oh... Oh, but she's know. a zombie at this point. Yeah. Like, she, or she's, like... like she, Just she about. She turns, basically, as she's giving him a BJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's probably not... But he's still, like, that whole situation was fucked up. Because if she wasn't, it was still fucked up. Absolutely. So she bites off his dick. Also, this is when he really turns, right? Which is interesting. Like, what is that about? Well, I mean, I... Also, how does he not die? It's like he's literally emasculated. Yeah. And so then, you know, like, it becomes this thing, right? Where it's like, he's already clearly, like, a misogynist. Yeah. And then he is literally emasculated by a woman in this moment. And a white zombie. Like, yeah. that's the worst, you know, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to yeah. somebody that misogynistic. Yeah, so there's a lot right. of revenge involved. It's It's absolutely revenge. Yeah. It's absolutely, like, that's the last straw for him. He could give less of a shit at this point, especially about white women. Yeah. Yeah, so he basically takes Lilith, the zombie, and lets her loose on the compound. So and at this point... And he's also just... He's walking around. Yeah. That was, I think that was weird. the thing that made us all like, what? how? <laughs> like, you described it as free-believing. Wait, but also, before he lets Lilith into the compound, he stabs Joseph. Yes, true. Like, Joseph yeah. comes out to well, like, what's he knows. going on? Yeah. Because um, Lysol is screaming in pain at this point, and Joseph... They have, like, a bit of a confrontation, but Joseph is trying to help him, and then Lysol fucking stabs him. And, and then he's like, I don't have says, a family. I don't have a family. Yeah. And I wonder, too, like, if we're looking at this from sort of, like, a biologically determinist standpoint, right, like, his capacity to, like, in a, in a literal sense, like, make family, like, reproduce has been removed. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. been destroyed. And so for himself... Like, considering everything that he's already been through, does that destroy his capacity in his own mind to make relations, period? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, like, I don't know, I feel like it's a very second-wave feminist reading of the thing, but, um, like, it, it is interesting that that is sort of the tipping point for him. It, it, and it definitely is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so he, he unleashes this zombie, and at that point there's about 100 to 150 townies, so white people um, that are in there that... But but also all the native people, and and this is the thing is like okay, they can't infect you, but they they can fucking they can kill rip you. you apart. Yeah, yeah, so he just like in, unleashes that on everybody because because he's been like he has been unrelated. Yes. I think in his own mind he has been like derelated. Yeah, he doesn't from trust everything. anyone. Yeah, well he doesn't trust anyone, but also he has no ties to anyone anymore. Yeah, right. No ties to anyone and no ties to the land. Like he's he's almost like again, and it, it becomes this drive to consume. So it's even though he can't get the virus, he's become a zombie because of his like need to consume everything around him. And so he um, they go and he, he he with Moon and James kidnap basically Doris, hold her at like guns point, gunpoint or zombie point. It's like okay, put this out over the radio. Doris has to say they're killing people at the church, um, so that they know that it'll draw in. 
uh, trailer and the rest of them. So he's got this also vendetta against his dad, right? Um, but he's holding all these like not sick white people and, and he's like drawing the zombies there. And their plan is, is that once all the zombies are feeding, then they'll kill them, right? So they're offering up these white unsick people as sort of like the, the bait for the zombies. And this is so. But then they also like this. This the, this is so gratuitous. He's got a zombie on a leash, and he just lets it go at, at Doris, who I assume is a white woman. Yeah, she seems to be. I, like it's, I it's, know, it's unclear, hard to but it's like you it's definitely still can't. Up. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't. Doris does not make no. Dor- and Doris does not deserve to die. No. It's also important to note that as this is all going on, that Charlie is in, begins to be in Goes full blown labor. labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because as Molly, like not only are you vulnerable, now you're extra vulnerable. Exactly. <laughs> Molly said, "Why even have a pregnant woman in the movie if not if they're not going to start to give birth at the worst time? Yeah, like a pregnant person. Yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah, of Plus course. Um, but I think so. This happens a little bit before, but I think that this is a really, really crucial moment in this film for me. Was Gary Farmer's character Moon um says that the dead are coming back to life because the earth is sick of our shit. Yes. So, you know, there's there's no genesis for the zombie plague. Like the, it's not a virus that you can cure, it's not bacteria, it's not a curse, it's the earth mm-hmm. is is doing something. The earth has agency, the earth is a living being. And then he says, Who says that we're immune? Maybe the earth forgot about us. Yeah. Which I think is a really, really important point to think about because it really goes against this idea that you know somehow we're we're chosen we're hyper connected to the earth yeah, yeah we're hyper connected or we're like these and that's always true ubermenches yeah. or there's something innate about you know indigeneity that allows us to be immune to this no instead it's not only are we forgotten under colonialism but the earth is also forgotten about us mm-hmm. which i just think is like a fascinating reading of a zombie like an immunity to a zombie plague like you right. just couldn't even be bothered to think about it yeah it's not it's not a, it's not a blessing it's a fucking sad it's empty lacunae you know like yeah in the same in the same way that we get erased and invisibilized in so much of the rest of goings-on in society and the world and particularly anti-colonialism because it facilitates you know the takeover of the land and resources yeah the earth has also forgotten about us so what also what have we done to like unrelationalize ourselves. Yeah. 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 So like to a certain extent, it's like, you know, we talk about Lysol sort of having unrelated himself from everybody around him. And then Gary Farmer is saying, well, what if we, you know, what, what have our actions done to do that same thing? Like, are yeah. we actually that much better just because we're immune, just because we're surviving? Like, it's not because we're better. It might just be because we're in such a bad relation. Mm-hmm. Oh, or such, you know, like our our relationality just is so unimpactful at this point. Yeah, you know, but I, but, but that's the thing, right? With all these sort of antiheroes of of Barbie's movies, is is you know, colonialism has been internalized to such a point that these people become, you know, not only self destructive but like destructive in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's and it, yeah. Um, um, so thank you, Gary Farmer, for giving us that little tidbit of wisdom. <laughs> All right, so they're in the showdown at the church. Trailer's dead at this point. Sorry, dude, that sucked. Yeah. He got eaten by zombies. He's, he, he, his, last, his last words were something along the lines of, uh, in tell, tell my grandchild big, big stories. stories about me. I love that. I love that. <laughs> if nothing else, right? Yeah. So, um, okay, so they're using these white people as bait. And so, uh, right, Lysol is outside. Joss is trying to protect Charlie. 
Um, yeah, it's a bit of a showdown. Yeah, like he's got exactly. a gun on Charlie. Joss has a gun on him. We're just like Joss, just fucking shoot him! Like, I know. and literally have an all caps in my notes: shoot him, Joss. Yeah, yeah, because um, he's got a zombie in the trunk. Yeah, and that's when she starts shooting at him. He's gonna open up the trunk, but I don't know what the fuck. She just shoots wildly or something. Like, well, you know, it's just a nurse. She's maybe like I, it's, it's a, a handgun. No, for, for totally you know, fair. Like, yeah. like, but it also it's happens skill. at once. Like she shoots and. It seems like she maybe even hits him somewhere, but at that exact time, the trunk the pops, yeah, pops, pops open. And then there's, I think that's Doris actually in there. Oh, that would make sense. What? Was it? Doris. Yeah, I think it was Doris. Oh, that, would make, that would totally make sense. Doris. Yeah, Doris. And so then Doris runs over, attacks you know, Charlie. Attacks Charlie, bites Charlie. Right in the neck. Yeah. Uh, so Charlie, you know, that's that's it for Charlie. She's a townie. She's done for. Joseph comes and cuts off her head. But, like, yeah. that's the thing with the sequence of events. It's like, um, Joss shoots Lysol, but the trunk pops pops open. Doris she's, and she's runs got no more out of the yeah. and she has no more bullets. Doris runs out of the trunk, bites Charlie, and right as that is happening, Joseph is running yeah. towards Charlie. I know. Yeah. yeah, it is sad. It's so sad. Yeah. Um and then and then we have this moment where um grandpa, there's Joseph and Lysol, and grandpa's like, okay. And and Joseph stabs Lysol. Like yeah. should, it was obviously so painful for him. Yeah. But again, yeah, this is he's him. holding his hand the whole time, too. It's yeah. And this is, but this is him coming into being, to a certain extent, being in good relation with his unborn, still unborn child. Yeah. It's like yeah. he has to, you know, he has to protect his family, and Lysol is, has unrelated himself. Yeah. And it sucks. He, like, Joseph didn't choose that, but he still has to deal with the consequences, and that means having to kill his half brother, yeah. which is fucking awful. Which is also grandpa's grandson. Yeah. You know, and he, and he, but he is cold ass about it. He's like, whatever. Oh, grandpa. He shoots up in the air to attract the zombies because Lysol's not dead. So the, the zombies so will come So who's the bait now yeah. in this Lysol? And so then we get this, again, like this very long protracted scene of blood spraying. Like, and this the is like, good. we have not uh, really talked about the <laughs> level of entrails yeah. blood spraying yeah we really hanging from entrails oh, we brought it up a bit but yeah it's uh, it's a lot it's, it's a lot a, of guts if you, so like, this is another protracted you can't scene. have a zombie movie without massive gore I know and so, and so I was actually like I was worried that I would be more afraid but I this level of gore for me like reminds me a lot of the third evil dead movie which is just so silly yeah uh, so that took a little of the the, the horror of it if you can me. convince yourself of that because I mean the effects were pretty good they were good but we did at one point wonder if they're zombies are their hearts beating why if their hearts are not beating is there so much There's squirting so of our chain of blood but whatever that's fine yeah my whole thing was and I thought I knew how long <laughs> intestines were oh, they're really long they're and we, long. like intestines are so long and if you had doubts, you could definitely probably Google some real pics, but also just watch Blood Quantum, uh, because there's so many long intestines. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then... So, R.I.P. Lysol. They go to the boats, because uh, all the boat people who have come have left their boats. So they gathered them, them together at the beginning of the film. They talked about how that was an escape plan for everybody, just in case. So they got overrun. The boats are on fire, though, and so we're assuming that Lysol is in his buds. And we never see James again, by the way. Yeah, yeah James just makes me super sad because Which, I love James. I mean, yeah, yeah and that's, a, that's another moment where it's like, you know, she she's a side character, but she's also a great character. Yeah. She has she has lines. She has a bit of a backstory, yeah. and you do you want some kind of wrap-up for James. Yeah, exactly. And Lysol even makes, like, this sort of, like, sexually suggestive... 
uh, comment and she's like whatever da, da, da. you know like I love that yeah, yeah like, like so she she deserved she deserved some kind of wrap up yeah I actually I would have been okay if James had survived like I would yeah. have, you know if she had been on that boat and she becomes you know like the the auntie or whatever yeah. or the auntie um, like yeah that would have been chill uh, but but again like I don't know I don't know she felt disposable yeah, and, yeah but disposable in a way that she didn't even need to be disposed of that's the worst yeah. part of that yeah, yeah. So because true. she doesn't she doesn't die she doesn't escape we don't know what happens yeah, she just evaporates into yeah. the air so um grandpa at this point pulls up with um bumper i think i don't know yeah sugar's died yeah um trying to defend charlie and what happens to bumper because like Bumper doesn't Bumper. end up on the on on the boat, You're right. so he must die. He yeah, must, Bumper dies. Yeah, he must die somehow. somehow. The, okay, but Grandpa's there <laughs> sword with his samurai sword, and he's like, "I'm not leaving my I'm not leaving my homelands again," which I totally get. Like, no. you know, like he's gone to war, he's gone abroad. Um, you know, like colonialism has forced so many indigenous peoples off their land. He's like, "I'm not fucking going." So he makes his last stand with his samurai sword. And it's this epic scene where he he's like on this like rock in the water. Joseph. Well, yeah. and Joseph's about to be born. Like he's like, how? yeah. yeah. So but it's to give but it's in this like these ruins in the water, right? Yeah. And so all these zombies amazing. come amazing. And he's just like, like oh, cutting their heads off so and stuff. Cool. And then that's when that's that's when there's oh yeah that, that's right there's another animated scene. Um, so we see him sort of be, being like overwhelmed, and we're like oh he's dead. But then there's this animated scene. Where he like kills a few more and he holds up like a zombie zombie head. Grandpa right? is not done yet. And and that's when we that's the first time we hear any sort of like native music. There's like yeah. this honor song that comes on, right? And and for the grandpas, he's coming and he's holding the zombie head and he's like, I, I don't even know what he said. I can't even remember. I didn't write it down. Something fucking badass. Totally. You know? Yeah, I can't remember either, but man, it was cool. It was great. And then um so we now we have the only survivors that we know of, Joss, Joey, and Charlie are on the boat. Joey are uh, uh Charlie is is like in labor, in full on labor. Yeah. Having gives a bad birth. Yeah. Gives birth to the baby. With like a huge chunk out of her neck. Like oh, can you I'm on a boat. Yeah. Like the whole like I like even just watching the scene I was starting to get a little motion sick. Like yeah. I was like, Oh god And very dark circles under her eyes. Oh, she, no, she's things yeah. are turning. You know she's not gonna she's yeah. not gonna make it. Yeah. And of course Joss gracefully and unflappably delivers the baby yeah. as she yeah. does. Charlie's like, you don't know how, how much this hurts. Talking to her boyfriend's mom. Yeah, yeah. that Trust was the one thing we're all like I in am. unison. We're like, yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> so the the baby is a girl. The fear all along is that the baby wouldn't be immune, that the baby would be born a zombie, because but the baby again, is not born a zombie. The blood quantum thing, right? Yeah. Like either the baby somehow gets infected and Charlie isn't showing any sign of infection, or now that Charlie's bitten, it's going to go into the baby. Yeah. But I guess the baby is like this is where the blood quantum thing gets the most literal, yeah, which yeah. is frustrating because we just have native. Yeah, and like like but they also would have known because Lysol is has a white mom. Yeah, and yeah. so like and he's. Immune, well, probably, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but also at the beginning, that that horrible scene we didn't talk about uh, and won't talk about. But the the mother there was white. The father was right native. Their baby, though, when he was talking about the right. baby, was clearly That's true. Zombie. The baby was totally zombified. Yeah. Right. So maybe it was it was a fifty fifty. Yeah, or maybe because she was fifty fifty for the fifty fifties. So anyway, they're they're relieved. But then um, Charlie realizes that she's turning into a zombie. She she begs Joey. She's like, I don't want to be this. I don't want to hurt the baby. And da, da, da. And Joey has to shoot her. Yeah. And he does. Awful. Uh, and it's awful. Because that's the thing. is like Joey 
is, you know, throughout the movie, he's like, you know, Charlie, I really love her. He's always stepping up to defend yeah, her. Yeah, stopped her like from he, getting an abortion. Well, not stopped her, but also, like, punched agreed with her. Punched her in the face at yeah. that point. Yeah. And, like, then, and also stabbed her, his brother. Yeah. yeah, stabbed his brother. Like, yeah, he really shows <laughs> up for her. Like, clearly, you know, trying to do the right thing by her because he loves her. And this is the last thing that he can do for her. And so in the end, it's Joss, Joseph, and this, the baby. this new unnamed baby mm-hmm. in this boat. Yeah. We and they're just yeah, floating. That's it. We don't know what happens after that. The end. The end. Yeah. Woo. And then there's native singing at the end. Lol. The captions. We had the captions on because oh, yeah. yeah. Native so singing. Funny. Native singing. I was. I. I think that's so funny because like, again, that's that's almost certainly not a uh, decision that a director gets to make. The captioning. So. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know when they're like native mm-hmm. singing. Yeah. Some <laughs> some intern. Yeah. You know, at uh, Apple or whatever did that. Um, but yeah, but this also, like, I find this interesting because I feel like the last few movies that we've watched, we haven't really done a lot of analytical stuff. No, like, definitely some, like, not. It's stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this one, we were like, we need to die. We need to die. We need to rip this up. And we didn't get it even as deep as we could have. It's true. But, you know, what, this is like four hours now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, what do we, what do we, uh, want to make the rating on I think we decided gilfs. Did we decide gilfs? Well, because we all just love the grandpas a little so too much. much. A little too so much. So in my mom's phrasing, she would say, grandpas, I would love to fudge. <laughs> yeah, mom, our mom, our mom gets so mad at both of you. You don't even I know, we swear so much. She, she, she listens to an episode of Maintain's Face and she goes, I'm getting out the swear jar. Yeah. We would be so broke if I we don't get into the swear jar. Especially the last so the last couple episodes. Man, we dropped so many F bombs. Whatever. We weren't even trying. Remember we that? put the explicit rating on the internet. It's true. Do you remember when you tried to stop swearing for your mom's sake? And it lasted like half of an episode. <laughs> it was so funny. What she doesn't get is we're drinking purple cowboy. Yeah, okay. We are unhinged. You, you can't help it. It's tenacious reds. Said fudge. They did not. Look at this. Dapper human right here. Right. Wow. I like, kind of just bucking on that bronco. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so it's <laughs> rated out of gilps. I want we let our guest, Daisy, please. So, Daisy, uh, uh, in uh, case you ten? didn't know, so the way the rating system works is uh, it goes from one to five. One gilf means it's terrible, it's awful, it's the worst thing you've ever seen. You want to vomit on it. You would never recommend it to anyone. Five gilfs means that it's like the greatest movie you've ever seen. You would recommend it to every single human being. It's not quite a cooking rating. Only Chelsea can give a cooking rating because she's, you know, fairly recently become a cookum. Um, but a cookum rating is basically like you are a cookum or you would show it to your cookum. So okay. that's one to five. Um, I would give this film 4.5 gilfs out of five. Nice. The reason being, uh, the only point for deduction is that I wanted to see the native women in this film kill more zombies, uh, especially when Joss walked out of that room with that axe. Yes. It's like, here we fucking go. Like, she should have had a slow-mo zombie killing scene. I agree. So that is my point for deduction. Besides that, I love this film. I thought it was so well done. I thought the gore was incredible. I loved the talent in it. I loved the acting. I love the color palette. And I love that it makes me feel like getting down with a zombie. When the, yeah, that, <laughs> that and that when there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm going to be the Métis queen. And I'm going to Amazing. be the queen of my compound. Incredible. We will all have compounds. It will be brilliant. And yeah. Yes. The more the more compounds, the merrier. Absolutely. Uh, Chelsea. 
Um, wow. Difficult? Okay, but yes. I feel like this is especially hard for you because you can just like text Jeff. I know. And be like, Jeff, guess what I rated your movie? <laughs> I know, I know. Don't don't listen to this, Jeff. If you made it this far, just fucking turn it off now. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with a 4.5 because um again, okay, so you know, we, we talked about a lot of the reasons. That, you know, the fact that it's super, super important that there be Indigenous-directed movies, but not just Indigenous-directed, because we've seen some that were kind of stinkers. Yeah, um, super stinkers. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm trying to be polite. But that, like, are res-focused, because honestly, like, um, you know, that, that comes up a lot in these interviews is talks about the fact that, like, uh, you know, there's not enough res perspective. And as we all know, there are, like, many, many res perspectives out there. I would like to see more of that. And I, I would say that, you know, yeah, I, I, of course, like we can't not armchair direct. So I would have liked the, the, the female or even non-binary characters. I'm reading James's non-binary. Um, I would have liked those characters to be forefronted more, to have more action scenes, definitely more zombie killing because like I love the gore. Um, even though I can watch it, but I love I love the attention to detail that was in the gore. I would have loved to see some of like badass some of these badass women just like you know decapitating zombies. That'd be great. Um, I I do think that there was like some difficulty with a bit of the message. I think that it's not necessarily going to be received in the way that it was maybe intended. I think this might sort of bolster some misogynist feelings. Also, the idea that like if, if indigenous peoples get power, we're just going to do one to white people as they've done to us is a bit problematic. Um, but overall, I fucking love that this was like a movie with native people directed by a native person that wasn't necessarily about native shit, but also was about native shit. You know, it's a genre film. When natives do stuff, it's native stuff. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, like I definitely would recommend this to anybody who can handle the gore. Um, I think it's an important film, and I can't wait for more fucking great movies to be made like this, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Come on. Um, I... I feel like... This one's a bit of a hard one for me, because this is not my style of movie that I, I enjoy. I'm a huge wuss. I'm probably the biggest wuss here. Uh, and it took a lot for me to watch this. Um, I feel like I was uh, unpleasantly surprised and pleasantly surprised at different points, um, but I was very engaged the whole time, which I feel like that to me, especially, you know, we've been doing this for six years, we're, on season, we're at the end of season five, uh, that doesn't happen to me that much anymore. Yeah, sure. Honestly, um, I feel like I watch, I watch movies now, uh, movies in particular, and I feel like I know where they're going. Yeah. And in this film, I I didn't. I was I was constantly surprised at, at what was happening. Um, to me, you know, like it took up certain horror movie tropes for sure. But um, as a non-horror, maybe it was just as a non-horror watcher. Um, but I was I was always really engaged in and, and interested in what was going on. Um, I think I you know I echo a lot of the critiques that we made throughout the show and that um, you know both Chelsea and Daisy made. Uh, I think we're gonna give it a four point two five. Molly loves to lowball, by the way. I've definitely I do, noticed I, I, this. Like, I do feel like I'm lowballing. It's, a it's not bit, necessarily but lowballing, but she definitely she's like, mm, oh, you gave it a four point five. I must give it a four point four or five. Yeah, and I think so. So I don't want because I'm it. so much more. I'm just, just that's critical. I'm such a connoisseur. <laughs> mm. uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, you know, I think 
it could have gone farther with a female characterization and just there could have been more women you know like even if even if the main women just walking around in the compound yeah that means yeah 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 it's like yeah i'm sure that's a cost issue as well but whatever but whatever like whatever you you have you can you know you can have half a dozen white kids running out of a room but you can't bring a couple more indigenous women to just walk around the compound or like hold a gun or something right like i would have you know i would have liked to see a little more of that um and you know i do think you know i think i think in in this episode we've done a lot more sort of delving into the intricacies and the nuances of what it might mean because of course none of us have worked in film yeah but what it might mean to be an indigenous creative an indigenous actor an indigenous director an indigenous producer um doing this kind of work that we would not give to non-indigenous and like especially like white creators like no. and that's fine and, and we're but, totally but that's true we're like we're going to be more critical and more more like harsh um, on native creatives than we are going to be with white people who, because the bar's lower for us. Like, we're like, fuck, whatever. You already got all the fucking memes. Well, like, I, I don't, I, I, like, I think, you know, I think that, like, I don't think we're necessarily more critical, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I do think it's important to be, be critical of this work and to, to treat it, um, seriously. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. as serious work. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I think for, you know, for all the reasons that we've talked about, like, I, I did, I, I sincerely enjoyed the film and, like it was, it was so refreshing to be engaged in the actual plot the whole time because that, that really doesn't happen that often for me with a lot of the stuff that we've watched. Um, and so yeah, I think I think four point two five. Like I, I really look forward to seeing you know future work from everybody, just everybody that was in the movie. Oh yeah. It was also just like you know Chelsea, you mentioned that the the actor that plays uh, Joseph was the half breed son in the Revenant. Yeah. And that's yeah. a blow up. Yeah. Can we just say right? like right. way and, better you know, role. No, better role. Yeah. No. No shade to him at all. Uh, but yeah. you know, there's no. Fuck, like I being... want all these people to ha- like have fulsome, yeah, professional lives where they're yeah. they're, they're run ragged. They're so the, busy. Yeah. Yes. And outside of the degenerate half breed trope, yes. like so that that just warms my cockles. Yeah. You know, because like that's so tired. Um, yeah. So good on good on everybody in this movie. But yeah. You know, you bring Elmaya into a film and you're not going to fucking put, like, 40 rifles in her hand. Put her just... on a motorcycle, decapitate, like, yeah. on a motorcycle with a fucking machete, just, like, chocolating rapists. Yeah. Why not? Oh, my God. Amazing. You know? Uh, she should have been the one running the dairy farmer. What do you what do you even call that? That machine? With oh, the... yeah, the chipper. Oh, the, the chipper. chipper. Yeah. Totally. I can totally see her doing that. Like, I loved her character. I thought her character was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, that, yeah, she could have she had a, a more of a role and it could have been more roles for women in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but all that being said, it has been an absolute pleasure to watch and talk about this with you here today on Otakonsu's Boywak Kitsukisako Matey in Space. Space, 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 space. Otakonsu's Boywak Kitsukisako Matey in Space.